This is Space Cats Peace Turtles, the unofficial podcast for Fantasy Flight's Twilight Imperium. Episode 182, The Nomad. Introduction. Music by Ben Prunty, featuring Matt Martins and Hunter Donaldson. You know, it's, I, apparently I'm not allowed to ever play as the Nomad. I Why? Because I can Why only get true? mad. I only ever get mad on stream. <laughs> so it's I'm banned. Banned from this faction. So, what a shame, you know? It by definition excludes you, <laughs> Yeah, basically. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, I mean, I'll say you're missing out uh, quite a bit, I would yeah, say. It's it's, sure. it's one, of, one of the good ones. I mean, I, I think we can... I'm going to speak for everybody and say that most of the POK factions have been, I mean, a dumpster fire. Let's be uh-huh, real. Sure. You know, sure. Yeah. like none of them are, they're all bad, uh-huh. you know, super bad. All, of all them. bad, all bad factions that nobody likes playing and nobody wants to play. Yeah. yeah. And that's why you see, you know, Keep none seeing of them in any of the games. <laughs> Everyone's resorted back to Nalu meta. It's all about that. <laughs> Zero token. Nobody's really interested in in trying out the new stuff. I mean, it's I can't Dane. Wait. You tried, Dane. Good effort, but good try, Dane. Nobody likes your new factions. I'm sorry, bud. Yeah, just none of them are good. Uh, <laughs> it, a real talk though. I one thing that I think is funny that I kind of I, I thought about beforehand. I didn't realize until uh, the expansion came out that it was going to be this way. But it actually kind of feels like since the expansion came out, there's not like 24 factions. Yeah, there's like seven and (laughs) hopefully we're gonna get over it eventually you know what i mean and then it'll it'll go back to being 24 factions but there are basically like seven factions to choose from right now it's kind of a limited (laughs) game the scope of it it's very kind of honed in on these yeah just these seven you know i seven um, is a lot we said that we said that in a recent episode and and that's completely where i'm at too i'm i'm ready for there to be 24 factions again I'm, that, that yeah. seems like a fun game to play uh, a, a board game with 24 different various factions boy yeah what a treat that will be eventually down yeah. the line and Instead i of you know being... what it's i hate that we are even more you know we're trying to do these introductions we're gonna knock them out and so we're very much i only get to play nra right now and all anybody's doing is complaining about how good nra is and i'm like yeah i get it Anyways, I got to do one more, man. Got to do some more research. So you all have to let me play NRA. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to be fair, though, I am the king of of those complaints. I uh-huh. am the the biggest NRA <laughs> whiner <laughs> just because I, I don't play as them or I haven't played a single game as NRA and I probably won't because, I mean, why would yeah, I at this right. point? I have other things I have to play. I, I'm already playing Mahawk to this point. I really, um, man, what stinks is... I was realizing that this isn't ever going to end <laughs> for us. The like notion of like have to play this. I really want our like overviews of the base game factions and stuff. I got to figure out a way to take the pressure off or something because I'm I'm tired of playing a faction like six times before I'm allowed to write a what you today hunter have a nine page guide. How dare you? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, I think. I think that if we release these, well, okay, a couple things. If we release these scripts as like just like board game geek posts, yeah, they wouldn't be readable because they're not made to 
be read. Yeah. But I've gotten into lately the idea of like the Probably. there being more writing mm-hmm. uh, on the because sh- there wasn't enough writing before, I guess, even though there was actually quite a bit. Um, <laughs> but yeah, these introductions have gotten uh, long and yeah. and big, and uh, I, I want them to feel uh, pretty all encompassing. Um, and at the same time, paradoxically. <laughs> I want the episodes to be shorter. So none of that really makes any sense. And Shorter uh, and more generalized for anyone to listen to. But you yeah. know what? We still dig deep. Uh, hey, we have some... Speaking of NRA uh, and Digging Deep Boy, last week was a long episode. And we have some errata for it. Uh, I think this is all really, really good and fun errata. I don't feel like we got anything wildly wrong. But there's a lot to talk about in exploration. And everybody has different perspectives. So let's start it off with Brian. Brian says, I think freelancers is best used to produce a piece of gum that you will leave in that system as you keep moving your capacity unit forward. Love it. Great little point. There was a lot of actually kind of argument. There were people being like, actually, I think freelancers is trash. And I think there are times when freelancers is trash. And I agree. So I think freelancers is definitely the most divisive card in the cultural deck. But I love this idea. I because I've only been playing NRA recently freelancers is almost always i use it to build a mech because i'm especially the beginning of the game trying to Mm -hmm. get all my mechs out to unlock the commander um so i haven't been able to feel it in another faction where i'm like you know what i should fire out a destroyer and just let it sit there as my gum for later right Um, right i mean i like that that aspect of it that's that's totally i always like to have gum so i mean that's that sounds perfect yeah uh, next up is from Absol Hunter. You, we we talked about Mahakt's benediction for some reason last week. I don't remember yes. why. Uh, but of course, Absol, the queen of uh, TI lore, has the answer for us. I can answer the question of what's happening thematically with benediction. Iro Sheer Hour takes control of an opposing faction's fleet by compelling obedience of the commanding officers and forcing them to attack another faction's fleet. Whether the commanders were secretly replaced with clones made by the Mahakt, or whether Hour is literally puppeteering them while they scream helplessly trapped in their own <laughs> heads, depends on what faction is forced to do the attack. Yeah, okay. That actually makes a lot of sense. I mean, actually, right away, it made sense. I don't really even know why. We questioned I was, you it know, so much. <laughs> I, I think the reason I question it is because there have been some, like, you know, kind of game-breaking, I, I don't want to call them bugs, stuff. but, yeah. like, rulesy weird things that have happened that have made me just feel a little bit like, you know, let's... If we got down to basics of like what is yeah. happening, the bigger question will be why? Why can these Mahakt uh, psycho attacks not allow someone to move ships into a nebula? Like even yeah, the Mahakt right. are afraid of moving someone into a nebula. <laughs> Thematically, that doesn't quite go as far unless yes. uh, unless Absol can dig up some Mahakt are paranoid of nebulas <laughs> uh, fiction. Then I think we are left to our own devices. Yeah, I would say now I feel way more confident that they should be able to benediction into a nebula. Yeah, so definitely. there you yeah. go. Uh, take that, Milty. <laughs> uh, next up is Robofish. Uh, this is uh, more a question, but with his own thoughts on it. But maybe Hunter and I can, can offer ours. If you have a choice of planets in a system, which do you explore first? Uh, this is something I think that we, we totally just kind of forgot to keep it. We talked about like how much we like them you know we prefer cultural but like when you are literally faced with two planets that have different traits which one in that system do you uh, explore first it would seem that red comes before green if you have neither trade goods or commodities as you might get a trade good 
to then power the industrial planet's ability. However, if you're exploring red with ground forces, you might want to do them last so that you know if you've lucked into fresh units so that you can burn the ground forces on the reds. Hunter, what do you what's your kind of pecking order? I mean, what? There's only really three com- three three combos? Red green, red blue, blue green. So what do you yeah. in, in each tile, what is your standard order of operations? I don't know, man. This yeah, is, I know this exactly. Is, you're kind of <laughs> losing me on this one. I'll, 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 I'll take my answer off the air. Like, <laughs> I'm not. I, I don't know. I, I mean, honestly, my, my, my uh, initial thought was like, wouldn't it be green first so you could get some commodities, um, that you could then, but th- no, you spend commodities for spend commodities from industrial. Other green so I, stuff. I agree I, it, with with hazardous industrial. I agree with Robofish's thoughts here. Do hazardous okay, sure. first, and then industrial. If we're talking industrial cultural, I would probably. I don't think it matters it, in that situation. I don't because uh, okay. all, all I can get from cultural is build a unit or get a ground force, and the industrial is just going to. You do might it. get some money from the industrial. I might get so some. Then... I might get money from the industrial. It really depends on what I have on my sheet. So I would probably, generally speaking, do the industrials first, especially if I can get a much cheaper mech and I was planning to build a mech off of freelancers anyways from cultural and might open up my opportunity to get something different. This is all so specific. Uh, let's do can we can, cult- can we just leave this part alone? Can like <laughs> do, do we, we have, have to, to think about everything? The- <laughs> <laughs> can there just be a part of the game where figure out for there isn't a best thing to do and you just do whatever you want <laughs> and it's fine <laughs> like that's you asking that question that is going to be the theme of my nazaroka alliance episode <laughs> is like listen man they're good leave me out of it just do what makes you happy please <laughs> last up we have one from milty i think people undervalue enigmatic device This is the Frontier card that lets you research a tech for six resources as an action. uh, Because they're looking at it exclusively as a way to get extra tech. But at worst, it's a chance to pass on a tech secondary, since the six resources is roughly equivalent to four resources in a token. But you also get a very productive stall and control of the timing of you getting tech. I used this uh, in our game just the other day. Uh, in this way, or uh, in some recent game, where I, I saw it more as that value, not of adding a tech to my overall tech plan but like you know what mm-hmm. i can just completely pass on tech secondary this round because i can do enigmatic dice a device whenever i feel like it yeah i mean i think uh enigmatic is like the third best thing you could get from yeah. det i think yeah. right like yeah. secret objective would be good uh the r- fragments and then and then this yeah and then everything else is just kind of like oh, okay yeah um, if you wanted to yeah, I think, uh, but I think I agree with what Milty's saying, but also I think the context in which we were talking about enigmatic device mm-hmm. uh, is not really being spoken to, which is that this is a, an investment. You, you, it's not, it's not four res- resources plus a token. It's four resources, or sorry, it's not, it's not six resources only. It's yeah. four resources plus a token for DET, and then the token that you spent to go to <laughs> right. the thing, That's and true. then the enigmatic de- device. Yeah. The fact that it costs six resources at the end almost makes me feel a little bit like, oh, come on, give me something for Just free. I already tech. invested <laughs> yeah. a lot of money on getting this device. That's right. all I'm saying. Yeah, it would be like if you also had to spend like three trade goods on the secret objective <laughs> when you drew that Yeah, one or it's something. just like, no, come on, give me something for free here. Right. Jeez. Right. 
yeah, if, if if it were that, the the Frontier deck would feel much more enticing um, because that it's it like you said, it's a, it's an investment on the front end. So why am I mm-hmm. why am I spe- and half the stuff I'm getting in this thing doesn't help me. So come on, <laughs> when you're gonna yeah. help me, actually help me. Yeah, I mean, I I I wouldn't chafe at all at the idea of enigmatic device just giving it to you for free as an action. That's awesome. Now yeah. it's a stall and you get free tech. Super chill. Mm-hmm. Uh, or even a cheaper, even it not being six resources. Even if it wasn't an action. Even if, even if it was like when you flip this over, immediately gain a tech and throw it in the discard. You know what I mean? Just yeah. give me the tech. Whatever, dude. You know what, though? Actually, it would be great if it was a free tech because then it's sort of like the way DET works is you, you, you research it, hoping you're going to get something good. Uh-huh. However, you could end up getting something that just basically says like, hey, you already researched a tech. Here's, here's an extra one right. on the house because yeah, yeah, yeah. you already researched one to get here. Yeah, I DET like was out of your way. Of this, is, this is to make up for the time you spent getting DET. You have now made DET worth it just in a single activation. Yeah, I like that. All right. Well, Hunter, it is time to enter the thunderdome nomad land nomad land <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's nomad land time all right yeah introduction time mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. so last last time we did an introduction we did the titans um and we didn't talk about theme at all up top which seemed like a huge mistake because that was a big part of where the comedy yep. w- originally the, the, made, the we, running we, jokes paul yeah. our our dear friend paul made us a beautiful poster based exclusively off of all of the jokes we made in our original first round strategy guides we're missing out on merchandise opportunities here by not right. including lore uh, right bits th- thematic jokes i'm gonna read a little piece to you here hunter um the nomad of course we've we've actually kind of already covered the nomad lore in the past because the nomad was the faction that hunter and i and dane got to tease after the announcement of Prophecy of Kings. Um, oh, so yeah. Dane gave us a bunch of extra insight at that time, but we have the back of the faction sheet here. I'm going to just read the last little little chunk here because it's a nice summation of who and what the Nomad is. Many have since come to realize that the Nomad is the center of a creeping web of influence and blackmail that stretches across the galaxy and at the same time has also amassed a formidable mercenary army. However... All attempts to covertly eliminate this nascent threat have thus far ended in failure. The Nomad seems to have an almost prescient ability to anticipate threats and defeat them. Whoever the Nomad is, they clearly are enacting a plan of mind-boggling scope and complexity. Now as their agents infiltrate the Galactic Council and mercenary warships set out from Sumerian's docks, many suspect that the ultimate goal of that plan is planet Mechador X. (laughs) 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 <laughs> I, lo- I lost it right there at the last four words hi so this is the nomad he's uh it's one dude it's one person it's one we don't know they hide behind a shroud and yeah. they're maybe from the future question mark probably uh, yeah i heard it was a guy named eddie eddie that's what i heard cousin eddie coming out <laughs> from the shadows Uh-oh. no not cousin eddie not i think cousin it's, eddie. i just heard that it's just that was something i heard a friend of mine i was playing a game with and my friend looks over at me and like i was like who's this nomad guy and somebody was like i heard it was a guy named eddie yeah um that's just a rumor though rumored rumor. rumored eddie there's also a rumor going around that i'm starting right now that it's me that's a rumor <laughs> That I'm, uh, yeah, I've heard. No, I'm I've hearing. heard that rumor before, Hunter. I've heard that. Have you heard that rumor? I heard. Dane I just thematically heard this rumor. Put, let me let me reread uh, this faction sheet again. The, the first sentence is it has something about and and shrouds of 
of a license plate that says Hunter Hunter Rocks R O X is on the back of his of the memoria. That's that's thematically so that that's our what best my license clue, plate says. I, what does he does he drive like a a Volkswagen? Because I drive like a white Volkswagen. The memoria the memoria is. is said to have a rounded top white. Yeah, it's white. Man, this is sounding. Oh, it's this a is white, getting eerie. It's just like a car. <laughs> Let me tell you something funny about my car. So I there, <laughs> there's a little cover on the gas thing where you open you open the cover thing and then you put the gas in. Uh-huh. And when I first bought this car, um, I I went to a gas station and I was trying to open the the thing and it wouldn't open. And I was like, oh my god! And I, I'm just I've never had uh I've only ever had a Honda Civic. That's been my only car really. I mean, I had another car, but they're all Japanese cars, is what I'm saying. Uh-huh. So they're little quirks because this is a European car that I don't understand. So trying to open the gas cover thing, it won't open and I'm getting frustrated. And for some reason, without really thinking about it, I just ripped it off and broke it. So I just <laughs> broke it off. And then my mom told me that you can just unlock it with the unlock thing on the key and that's how you open it. But I just broke it off. <laughs> well, good. So that's, so anyways, you, the rumor is that I am the nomad. When you're that's able what I've to been reaffix that part back onto it that's when you upgrade your volkswagen to the memorial that's when it too. becomes a volkswagen too yeah 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 Ooh, i'm gonna call my car memoria now yeah, and that works. won't make me a huge loser <laughs> <laughs> let's overview this faction we've kind of already done it i feel Did, like we can was that enough through- theme for you lore heads was that some good lore for y'all did you guys like that <laughs> You got it this time. Sorry you didn't get it before with Titans. We would have uh-huh. done some stupid bit about the Iron Giant or something. That's a great movie. Great film. <laughs> uh, isn't that Brad Bird? It sure is. I think it is, yeah. Uh, starting units in tech, you start with a flagship. What? And a carrier and destroyer and three fighters and four infantry. So you have your two C4I, but one of your Cs is a freaking F. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That freaking FS. So, yeah. Yeah, you start... <laughs> You start with your flagship. That's a big. That's a big part of it. That's, yeah. That's the. This is the flagship faction, but also like weird time travel Doctor Who stuff. You know. <laughs> uh, they start with the sling ray tech, which is the one where it's as an action you may produce one ship where you have a space dock. So uh, round okay, one, well, they wait, start with up, a stall. Up. They start with a stall, and they start with uh, the ability to produce a ship. Like they. They. Oh, and a blue tech, so they could get to gravity drive around. They start with kind of like a lot here. That is. It doesn't look like a lot, but it's a lot. I just want to say for the record, it is called Sling Relay, but we yeah. don't call it Sling Relay anymore. It's called Sling Ray. Right. And sure. that's in my brain now. So you're not going to hear me call it Sling Relay ever again. This is just for, <laughs> for newer people that might not be in on the hip new uh-huh. lingo in our lifestyle brand, Space sure. Cats, Peace Turtles. <laughs> um, but it that, is called Sling Ray now. But it was called Sling Relay. Action. Their home planet is Arcturus. Which is funny enough, a TI three planet uh, in the lore, Arcturus, uh, and the trade station Sumerian was taken over by the Nomad. Uh, so Arcturus, a four four, very good home system, similar to Darien, uh, and they have four commodities. And let's check out their abilities, shall we? Yeah, go for it. First up is the company. During setup, you take two additional Nomad Faction agents and place them next to your faction sheet. You have three agents. This is a basic just bookkeeping ability, but you yeah. you have three <laughs> agents, which we will cover here in a minute. Uh, but it's very, you, you don't only use one of them. You literally have access to all three of them every single round. No matter what, you can do all of them uh, forever. 
Your next ability is Future Sight during the agenda phase after an outcome you voted for or predicted is resolved. Gain one trade good. Uh, this is yeah. to say predicted meaning prediction in terms of action cards and other abilities. Like when uh, a writer, when you predict a thing, if your writer goes through, you would also get a trade good uh, for yeah. Future Sight. Yeah, so whatever whatever direction you went on uh the agenda whether it's cards or or votes yep. you gotta get a trade good if you do it right right uh you also it's important to note what the flagship's abilities are because you start with it on the board so how good is this starting flagship the memorial one which can be upgraded we'll talk about the upgrade in a minute and it's a green a blue and a yellow tech but the base abilities of the Mor memorial one is of course sustained damage like anything else it costs eight like any other flagship it's seven on a two uh, so, or t two on a seven, however you want to word it. It's, it's a middling, it's, it's the middle tier flagship combat value. Move right. one, three capacity. So, so pretty basic stuff, but it does have anti-fighter barrage eight times three. So pretty good anti-fighter barrage, similar ish to the clan Asar flagship. And it also has the ability of, you may treat this unit as if it were adjacent to systems that contain one or more of your mechs. So your yeah. mechs operate as these goofy little wormholes it's if you think about the ghost of Creus flagship and how it is a delta wormhole which means it's always adjacent to your home system you can think of the memoria's flagship as always adjacent to all of your mechs all of your mechs are these extra little wormholes that nobody else gets to use yeah i actually you explained that really well there matt because i actually <laughs> for some reason will get tripped up on this sometimes yeah. and be confused as to what i actually have um access to obviously you only have one movement with memoria one yep. so i mean it's it's a lot easier, but we're, we'll talk about Memoria too. You'll get you you'll obviously get more movement, um, and then it can get. That's when it really kind of gets pretty, Funky. yeah, pretty wet and wild, uh, pretty Doctor Who, uh, yeah. I would say. Yeah, flagship um, upgrade with gravity. You know, a three movement flagship can do some pretty wackadoodle stuff depending on where all your mechs are. Speaking of mechs, we've got a quantum manipulator. While this unit is in a space area during combat. Perhaps maybe it's being carried by your flagship. You may use its <laughs> sustain damage ability to cancel a hit that is produced against your ships in this system. It has sustain damage. It's two uh, costs and its combat is six. This is a ridiculous ability uh, because mechs can't be used. Uh, direct hit can't be used against mechs. Yes. And this isn't a ship taking up any sort of capacity or a, a fleet supply. It's only a, a mech taking up your capacity, but you get to just assign hits to it. But... The flip side of it, too, is Duranium Armor does apply to this. Now, I don't know. We'll talk later about tech and going down red. But, like, the fact that this is can't be direct hit but can be Duranium Armor, there's there's a whole line of thinking there of, like, how ridiculous these mechs can be used to protect your stuff. It's a very, very, very good mech. Yeah. Um, and it's very useful uh, in, in combination with your hero, mm -hmm. um, which is going to be your hero in general. Your hero, your flagship, and this mech... Uh, sustained damage ability um all kind of go together to be sort of the core of what we're going to talk about today so so this is a this is very important it might it might seem like a small thing now um but in combination with the hero the fact that you can sustain on these mechs in yeah. space yeah uh is it, yeah it kind of makes or breaks the faction in my opinion right. if they didn't have this i'm not sure they would be um as good as they are right the, there's an important um, kind of pre-errata we got here, too, that is is a little tricky thing to note. That uh, that mech is specifically during combat, is in space yes. during combat, uh, assumedly in space combat, which means it is after movement and after space cannon. So you cannot use those hits 
off of PDS shots. So yes. when you're planning out hero round stuff, the mechs do not protect your flagship against potential PDS. You will still need other soak to deal with that problem. Yeah, totally. To yeah, totally. Uh, PDS, I would say, is uh, one of one of your problem areas. And that priorato was from uh, Andra. So thank you, Andra. Thank you, Andra. Uh, your promissory note is the cavalry. At the start of a space combat against a player other than the nomad, during this combat, treat one of your non-fighter ships as if it had the sustained damage ability, combat value, and anti-fighter barrage value of the nomad's flagship. Return this card to the nomad player at the end of combat. So this is whatever your current Memoria is, whether it's Memoria 1 or Memoria 2. So this is a promissory note that gets better as the game goes on um, and can't be used against you. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's a hefty it's a hefty <laughs> promissory note. Yeah. Um, and it's it's it feels very good to sell this just because there's basically no downsides and yeah. you're literally just perfectly funding someone else's aggression towards someone else right um and yeah we we will we'll talk about it more when we get to to trading in meta but um i like it even yeah. though if you watch the the youtube video up of me playing i don't think i ever found an opportunity to sell it but that's because i'm a bad salesman not because mm -hmm. it's a bad card right yeah uh, all right let's get into these leaders there's a lot of them we've obviously talked about them before but they've got three agents that we have to talk about so first up is the thundarian uh, the Thundarian's ability is after the roll dice step of combat. You may exhaust this card if you do. Hits are not assigned to either player's units. Return to the start of this combat round's roll dice step. So you completely roll back one combat. Is it, One yes. combat roll is the idea of both players. So if all of your fighters whiff and your opponents uh, do awesome, Thundarian can roll it all back, and then hopefully the next roll goes better for you. But obviously there's no inherent benefit to the thundarian it is just a whoopsie doodle oh gosh let's fix the problem yeah. yeah and matt me and you were talking about probabilities of this of this helping you out that i like that you said the fighters thing because like if this is like a two dreadnoughts v two dreadnoughts yeah. thing the likelihood that this is really gonna it's like you need more probabilities in there yeah um to help i think it's more yeah it's 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 set up to be most effective if someone has a really good round with their fighters, like a bunch of them hit suddenly. Yeah, right. The Thundarian is a way to say, all right, well, let's take that again yeah. with less fighter <laughs> hits, essentially. Um, We're gonna take it from the top. Yeah, it, Second take, thank you, and action. Okay, that was much better for me. No more fighter hits. Let's, let's, yeah. let's kill your stuff now. This, this is a card that I think um, has a lot of uh, heat behind it that uh -huh. I don't really understand because I don't, I don't, I think it's fine. Uh, it's, I think it's their least good agent kind of it's yeah. a distant third even i would say but it has really cool lore around it yeah uh, it looks really cool um people tend to like it but um the only thing i'll say strategically about this agent probably for the entire episode is that you just need to look for opportunities to sell it if somebody has a bad day you need yep. to say hey i got this over here if you want another shot but you right. gotta give me some money right now regardless I, it we might talk about conditionally selling it later um, but that's the best I can come up with for yeah. it, essentially. It, yeah, so it's, it's pretty much only usable in the moment. Uh, I mean, obviously, and then obviously only for the attacker. <laughs> if you're trading, yes. you know, if you're if you're trying to get anything for it, you could use it on the defender. But it's a non-binding deal, so all that always gets weird. Next yes. up is our Argent Flight. Uh, 
agent Field Marshal Mercer at the end of a player's turn, including yourself, you may exhaust this card to allow that player to remove up to two of their ground forces from the game board and place them on planets they control in the active system. That at the end of a player's turn is the important no note. You can't like move an empty carrier into a system and then expect right. to take the planet. This is a reinforcement. This is a forward reinforcement in the system that you just did stuff in. Right. It also helps you get those mechs spread around yeah. nicely, which for obvious reasons you want to be able to do, especially going into late the late game, um, in order for your flagship to kind of pop and whiz around um, the map all real fun-like. Yeah. Um, and also, this is one that other, a lot of other factions would like to get their hands on. So I, I would say I would classify this one as very sellable, but also really important for you uh, yourself in the early game. Just getting your your... Yeah. Uh, infantry or mechs uh, from your home system to the front line so that next turn they can uh, explore even further is great. It also kind of gets around early capacity, right? Because mm -hmm. I can send out a carrier with two infantry and two fighters and then get two more infantry on those planets at the end of that turn so that those next two infantry can go to the next system. Right. And and you and similar to the thing we were just talking about with freelancers, it's essentially a way to make not space gum, but like I don't want to completely abandon these planets. Exactly. I get to re I get to leave them slightly reinforced and, and not lose sight of them. Um especially in, in terms of things like scanlink, which you know we'll we'll talk about how much we recommend scanlink, but being able to put infantry that are going to stay there so that then you can re you know you can be activating those systems later and and getting more scanlink opportunities that makes it very right. very useful okay our last agent is up and she's a doozy <laughs> so mm -hmm. let's talk about how wild artuno the betrayer is uh when you gain trade goods from the supply you may exhaust this card to place an equal number of trade goods on this card when this card readies as in like in the status phase all of your abilities ready you gain the trade goods on this card so, yep. Hunter, you have what looks like almost half of a page of notes about Artuno the Betrayer. I hand the baton to you. Why is sure. this so weird? Um, yeah, it's not that this is, I mean, this is this is great. This is a great little extra cookie uh, yeah. for the Nomad, and it helps them be um, rich. They're yeah. Essentially, they're, they're a very good economy faction, and, the, and this is a, a, a slightly big chunk of that. Um, but... First things first, we have to define uh, from the supply. So when do you get trade goods from the supply? How many how many interactions are there um, that this would actually be useful? So uh, the most obvious one is this, the trade strategy card primary. That's um, when you get three trade goods from the supply. Three more would go on Artuno, and then you get three more trade goods next round or whenever it readies, which is there's we'll talk about it later. But yeah. um Another one that's uh, less uh, juicy is the future site ability. If you correctly vote or predict an outcome, you get a single trade good. You could you could use Artuno there. And then the other um, big stuff is the action cards that actually grant you trade goods from the supply. Right. So that's like, um, well, we'll talk about Scuttle in just a second. But um, all the ones that there's the uh, the one with industrial planets where you get trade goods. Yep. There's there's like the one where you exhaust someone else's planet and get trade. Those are trade goods are all coming from the supply. Right. Uh, uh, funnily enough, when you use salvage, you are not getting trade goods from the supply. Right. So therefore it wouldn't trigger, um, which is just another reason. I mean, salvage is just not a good card and it never <laughs> it's will always be. bad <laughs> forever. It actually ever. has. It's interesting. Quick side note about salvage because people have commodities hanging out more. There's like actually opportunities for it, but it does kind of, it does kind of suck that uh, this wouldn't uh, trigger it. 
Um, also, I have a note, another note from uh, Andra, some Priorata, that I totally agree with this. Um, <clears throat> I ended up not using Artuno at all for two rounds because I was hoping to get some cool opportunities to use it, which didn't come. The chance of getting an action card that gives trade goods is pretty slim. So if you don't have Malice, that's the um, the legendary planet that you can exhaust to get two trade goods, mm -hmm. or plan to get trade for the next round, don't hesitate to use Artuno for the one trade good you usually get in the agenda from yeah. uh, from Future Sight. So that's yeah, right. there's a certain aspect to Artuno where you could feel like, oh, I don't know, like maybe I should hang on to it. I I would just if you are uh, in the same place that that Andra is in this uh, little nugget here uh don't hesitate to just get the single trade good because it's it's worth it to just use it right um okay last thing we need to talk about is the action card scuttle um <laughs> because it is disgusting uh with artuno um we haven't talked about the commander yet we are about to but the commander there's not a lot to say about the commander it essentially lets you build your flagship for free and that's important important to note with what i'm about to talk about so scuttle is an action card that lets you kill two of your ships and then you get trade goods for their value okay and those are from the supply so we can play scuttle kill our flagship which we get to rebuild for free that's eight eight trade goods right there which actually is going to be 16 because another eight go on artuno and then we can also kill uh, a dreadnought i guess <laughs> along with it for another four and that ends up being 24 trade Ooh. goods or one action card and, and yet you had to lose a dreadnought so that's you know that's you lost four resources of value there who cares right, right. it's 24 trade goods in one go um it's staggered you get 12 now and then 12 whenever artuno refreshes uh ridiculous i mean yeah. completely uh ridiculous i mean i guess the only way you could you could do better is if you were playing as nomad and you had like war sons but essentially at that point you're just doing it uh for the memes yeah. so uh amazing uh yeah. card in your hand and it seems to come up a lot i don't know why i had a game where i got to do this uh i've seen other i've been in games with other people where nomad got to do this if if you get a hold of of scuttle it is just such a beautiful thing Super juicy. Um, yeah. i want to throw out All some right. other stuff too that we didn't quite uh include in our notes but i was just thinking of while you were going through all that there's some agendas that are pretty juicy too i mean think things like uh, oh yes. Uh, what's the one where you everyone kills all their infantry and then turns yep. those into trade goods? You yes. know, swords thing, the plowshares. Swords the plowshares is is a juicy, juicy agenda. Obviously, there's you know how much control do you have of that? I don't know, but it's worth pointing those things out too. And especially great with those is the idea that, or, or maybe it's kind of a problem depending on how the agenda goes you're doing that in the agenda phase which is like basically immediately after you readied stuff so anything yeah. you do in the agenda phase you're making artuno no longer an option in the strategy phase so make sure whatever trade goods you're getting off of an agenda that you are going to get that value off you know that that's more or less than the value you're getting in the round well make, i can make that your determining factor i i want to speak to that because we sort of just talked about it with the andre thing but uh if you're not taking the trade primary strategy card if you already know you're not doing that one once it comes to, to the strategy phase you can pretty much use artuno for whatever and you're you're probably not going to lose out on any value unless you know it just happens right. the, the roulette goes the wrong way yeah, right um but i think you should feel safe if you're not taking trade yeah. uh, essentially to use it on on whatever it would suck like here's a here's the thing that would suck is like the first agenda comes out 
you do it on future site and then the next agenda is yeah source of plowshares are like economic equality what everyone gets five except you get 10 right like, that would be hilarious <laughs> yeah um, oh, two things too. I uh, like the trade, a trade writer, pretty juicy, obviously. Oh, totally. Totally. Yeah. yeah. And trade writer in addition to now. Okay. We probably don't have the answer here, but worth noting that there's the trade writer, five trade goods, and then you predicted it and you gain an extra trade. good. Those are two separate, two, two separate, uh, things it's after an outcome you predicted yeah, is totally. resolved. So be, be sure to understand that you didn't get six and then six, you got five and then five, and then one. <laughs> so right. whatever. This is all getting in the weeds. Let's talk about their commander, which we sort of brought up in all of that because uh, Navark Fang combos very nicely with Artuna the Betrayer and Scuttle. You can produce your flagship without spending resources. This is amazing uh, for you, and uh, in a lot of ways, terrifying to give out to other people. Th that alliance promissory note, giving other people free flagships is questionable, uh, or, or you better get paid, I guess, huh? Yeah, it's a high value um, alliance, but I want to talk about um, the commander itself real quick because the unlock is, um, I would say, a pretty interesting unlock. It's you have to score one secret objective in order to unlock this commander, uh, which kind of leads to a dynamic that is yeah. a little different. Like like most most high level play, um, I, I feel like players will be like, "I'm really cool, and I'm going to not score my secret objectives right, right. away." Yeah. However, if you are playing as Nomad, regardless of level to. of play, you 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 need to try and score an early secret objective. Yeah. Um, so definitely uh, do not hold out on it because once you unlock this, the fact that you can play really risky with the flagship is definitely one of Nomad's strengths. Yes. The fact that I could, you know. Have my have Memoria two go do some wild thing on a lark that might get me a point, and then play, uh, and then it dies or whatever, and then I use Sling Ray to rebuild it at a space dock, and then activate again. Like that, the right. fact this this combo this combos with uh, Sling Relay in a way that's really beautiful because we could have our Memoria two die, rebuild it, and then have it go die again even. Yep. Who cares, you right. know what I mean? And then rebuild it a third time yes. <laughs> uh, with the command counter or off of the warfare secondary and then have it go die again. <laughs> like it's, it, it, you really are getting permission to take this flagship and just try, yeah. just try and do stuff, do whatever you want with it. It's right. very, it's the most fun aspect of this faction that they have this cool ship that is, um, it's a car, you know, it's a Volkswagen, it's white. Yeah. I don't know what type of car it is, but uh, it just flies through space and just does fun stuff. Does it's fun beautiful. Stuff. Uh, last up, we have our hero, Oxil Sivan, or the Probability Matrix. And as an action, place this card near the game board. Your flagship and units it transports can move out of systems that contain your command tokens during this game round. At the end of that game round, purge this card so this is the thing hunter kind of keeps referencing there is a round in the game where we go on a little parade throughout the galaxy with our flagship yes. it's limited to only the flagship but obviously with each new activation other ships that are unactivated could come join it so you can do these little kind of mini waves if you if all of your other units have enough like mobility or whatever but primarily it's a little parade that the the memoria goes on right there at the end of the game yeah um it's it's super it's a super effective uh, round for you, especially if you plan for it. If um, if you have, like, let's say you have the ability to stall the other players out, there can be a situation where everyone's stalled out and you're just moving around the map with, yeah, you've only got one flagship here, yeah. but who can, like, 
in what situation is someone going to be able to protect every single little thing? Like, right. essentially, what this is saying is, if you have enough command counters, uh, then in this round, you can try as many times as you want. <laughs> and we've already talked about how many times you could rebuild the flagship. So you just try over and over to find just some spot where you can, oh, you know what? I got enough planets. Now I can score that stage two control objectives because yeah you guys were defending most of the stuff but not this one little planet over here and i was able to go get it and no one can stop me because i'm playing this game by myself right now this hero is <laughs> very fun okay yeah. it's very fun well and and that point you just kind of remarked on i didn't even think of but the idea that like in the middle of this nomad parade the flagship could die you could spend an yes. action building it at home or at a forward dock and then go send it out on another like this new flagship yes. can go on yeah. another parade of its own if you have the command counter economy like it. Yeah, there's there's nothing that stops you from accomplishing uh, accomplishing stuff. You could even yeah. I mean, th there's ways where you can send it out, scuttle it intentionally bring it back home so that it can if it didn't have the range to, you know, if it's like, OK, I got to attack my neighbor on the left and then I got to go attack my neighbor on the right. Like you have almost limitless possibilities with what you can do as long as you have right. the command counters and the and the you know ability to to reinforce it with maybe other ships and whatnot yeah i mean i would say you you just hit the nail on the head this is a big huge point for this entire episode you are only limited hero wise by your command counters yeah so that is a really important aspect of this faction is making sure that when you get to this round where you can play your hero i'm going to make this point multiple times and yeah. in multiple different ways but it's all about making sure, you know, if it's round five or round six, whatever, when you play this hero, you need to have more CCs than everybody else because we want to milk this yeah. for all it's worth. And remember, I want to bring the mech thing back into this now. So <clears throat> flagship is running around, doing whatever, and it's just the flagship. It can carry some fighters with it. But what's great is those mech, those mechs can come and soak hits and also help invade the planets. Yeah. So that is, uh, that is an important little little boon it might not seem like a whole lot on its face but if you combine all these things together yeah the, those mechs are very very uh they are <laughs> clutch yeah as, it, uh, think of it this way if you let's say you took a like a forward planet somewhere with a mech and your memoria is there and it's like just the mech and some infantry uh and like a fighter or whatever it's not it's not carrying a, a ton of stuff we're about to talk about the upgrade and how much more stuff you can carry later in the game but in general let's say you're there and then you have some mechs like back at home and stuff if you only need to move one hex over and you have gravity drive in the Memoria 2, you can warp to the home planet with the mechs, pick up a couple things, warp back to the planet with the other mech, pick up that yeah. mech, and then yeah. go to the planet adjacent to where you started the turn with the Memoria. That's the kind of like dumping power you can just kind of keep. And so if you're doing, if you plot a course that's like, I'm going to go from this hex to this hex to this hex, and all three of them are adjacent, every time you do that, you can go refill the supply back at home. You are you're like uh, you're like Ghost Hakan with like a little bit of uh, oh I don't know just like raw a little bit of raw power but like specific raw power and the and the SAR flagship. Let's talk yeah. about that yeah. flagship upgrade so we can get a little bit more of the full yes, picture yes. of how powerful this this final round sweep is. Uh, so the Memoria Two is the same ability. It's still the mech adjacency, sustained damage, and all that. The upgrades are essentially that anti fighter barrage goes from roll three rolls on an eight to three rolls on a five. Your combat Lovely. goes to two hits, uh, two dice on a five, and your capacity goes up to six. And remember that that mech ability is extra sustained damage too. So you can have like two mechs, two infantry, two fighters, have four hits worth of soak, and then two, four ground forces worth of invading power. 
That's yeah. like an unstoppable fleet. I mean, that's an that's an incredibly powerful fleet in one single ship. That's not including any anything else you have with a lot of movement that can get to assist those each of those individual movements. You know, they're not coming from unlocked uh, areas, but carrier two, cruiser two, destroy anything. What any of these other big upgrades that give us bonus movement are going going to only help contribute to the power of this Memoria two. Yeah, I mean it's it's it is an essential. Um, upgrade if you want to make the hero really do some work. Yep. Um, this is, you know, it's 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 a tight little ship, you know, uh, and especially if it can get some uh, some reinforcements every once in a while from your your regular fleet, yep. uh, it can be really potent. Um, I will say, you know, the limits of it, it's not, you know, it's not going to like face down a war sun or something no. like that. Right. But it, the fact that the hero kind of allows you to just go to where you can be successful right um is is really key so um yeah i would say this i mean i didn't have a single game where i didn't uh research this upgrade and i feel like it is a, a key to unlocking yeah. uh, a lot of this faction's abilities yeah. so yeah it's worth reiterating that point too about pds here just to say like it is still one ship and those mechs don't help. So if you haven't bring it, brought enough fighters, PDS are still a, a major problem for you. Right. So that so plot that course, ideally in non-PDS territory, or have a way to reinforce to soak PDS hits or whatever, because that can be the downfall of the whole parade. Yeah, people talk about uh, like graviton uh, and how and how scary that is. To be honest, PDS is scary oh, regardless. Period. Yeah, <laughs> like it's it, it graviton is like kind of overkill for you um, because going. Going through a faction that has a lot of PDS or even just PDS two, yeah. PDS one is fine because now it's just like I avoid that spot mm. and, or you know I invade the other planet or you know like there's there's ways around it. But I feel like in a round where you need to do a lot of work, every hit matters mm -hmm. basically, mm -hmm. um, and every planet you take, every time you have to sustain a mech on something that's not protecting the flagship, it's a little bit like a oh okay yeah. all right. Um, so yeah, uh, uh, PDS P PDS are uh, uh, bothersome and annoyance. Yeah, yeah. Uh, their second faction tech is Temporal Command Suite. It requires a single yellow, uh, which you don't start with, and your flagship also requires a single yellow. So there's there's mm -hmm. going to be an argument here for yellow or a yellow skip in general. But what does this tech grant? Is it worth going for after any player's agent becomes exhausted? You may exhaust this card to ready that agent. If you ready another player's agent, you may perform a transaction with that player. We're not going to get to talk about it a whole, whole lot. I, I have a whole point here where we're going to sort of remark on it, but that last part is my favorite ability in the game. We'll talk about it more in a second, but the idea that you can do a transaction outside of like normal timing windows was an ability I was very anxious to see implemented, and this is the only spot that it got put in. Uh, it's limited in its use, but it just it, it gives me goosebumps. I love it so much. But the the real ability <laughs> is readying an agent, right? That's that's the actual yes. power of this. So where wh how far can this go? Um, I think it's I, I think it's conditional. Mm -hmm. Um, I I like it. It can get you uh that good good value depending on you know what other agents are available. Um, it, it, I would say the biggest caveat to this is, uh, you can use it on yourself, obviously. But I'm not sure that you have a really good target yourself, right. agent-wise, to justify this purchase. Because um, let's talk about it. Like, you could use it on Thundarian. Okay, you reroll twice. Like, yeah. I'm not sure how often that's going to come up. 
Um, Mercer is probably the best one you could use it on, the, the ability to move your infantry around. Mm -hmm. uh, but after a certain point, it's like, shouldn't you just be able to move them? Or like, do you really need you really need to kind of double down on that ability. What I, what I do kind of like about it is it maybe means that you can use Mercer yourself and then sell it. Yeah. That's, that's cool. And if people are buying, uh, that might be worth it. Um, and then Artuno is really weird with this yeah. because it refreshes, which means you get the money early. Mm -hmm. But if you don't have an ability to get trade goods from the supply, um, like more than once in any given round, you're really just getting the money early. There's not really any extra value you're getting out of that. Right. So th all of that's really conditional, though. There, there are there are times when you know you draw a couple action cards. You're like, dude, I have I have three or four action cards that give me trade goods from the supply. Like I'm I'm gonna just be printing money for a while. So yeah, I get it. Um, let's talk about other people though. What are yeah. some good agents uh, to refresh that isn't you? Uh, the Hakan one is cool. That's the one that gives uh, two commodities. So you and Hakan can kind of print even more money. Yeah. Um, and especially if you and Hakan are buddy-buddy, that's cool. Yeah. Necro, uh, gain an action card. Or, well, wait, which is the Necro that one? Is, oh. uh, it's, it is to convert an action card or a command counter into money. Um, all, all of these are sort of predicated on the idea that you're you're refreshing it so that you can use it or something or like yeah. especially the idea that like they want to do it themselves but you're like hey listen i can temporal command suite it and, and maybe we can like make this somehow equitable um right. I, I think it's really hard to find that value and generally you have to pay for them there's very few that are like actually just like raw value for kind of both of you uh hakan is maybe that because it opens up your trading potential with each other yes uh, necro less so you exhaust it that player may discard an action card or spend a command token to gain uh, from their command sheet to gain two trade goods, worth noting, that is Artuno-able. <laughs> so if you do Necro's thing, you gain two trade goods, oh, you can that's put cool. two on Artuno. Uh, so I don't know. There, there's there's a few things happening there. Um, we also wanted to point out Mahakt. Uh, yeah. Mahakt's agent is obviously not a thing that like you can exclusively use, but when Mahakt goes to use it on somebody else's strategic action or whatever, you can go, hey Mahakt, I can I can give you the ability to do this twice if you if you refresh yeah, it and then use it, it on, on my... me. Use it on my thing to unlock my fleet so that I can do some stuff. There's a mutual benefit to to us ha having this. Yeah, the just just to refresh uh, anyone's memory, the Mahakt um, agent is the one where they remove a uh, command counter off of the the map yeah. in place of a strategy command counter they would um they would use so it's like a mini yeah. uh warfare it's uh it's 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 great these last um, the three are the ones that i think are actual value that you can look for at the table and there's a reason the player might literally want to just go ahead and let you refresh it for free. like you don't have to pay them they right there's a there's a thing here where like they might use their ability on you if you temporal command sweep them because these last three are actions um, so it is a stall for each of these players. So first up is Extra. Action exhaust this card to ready any planet. You you could they could ready one of your planets. You get a little something, and they get maybe a necessary stall out of it. So there's a there's there's an opportunity for you and Extra to, to negotiate there. Uh, similarly, the Arborek ability to as an action upgrade one of your units. So you can say to Arborek if you if you're looking out at their table and go, hey, I know you. I can see that you need a stall. If you use your ability on me to upgrade one of my units, you get your stall, I'll refresh it, and then you can still use your ability on yourself later on. Um, and finally, similarly, is Umbat, the Muat uh, agent, which is to exhaust the card, and you may produce up to two units. It's like another sling, it's like a better sling ray 
Uh, that right. player may produce up to two units that each have a cost of four or less in a system that contains one of their war sons or their flagship. So it's funny to note that your zero cost flagship, you can't do it because you have to build it at your flagship, but you have this special funny relationship uh, with Umbat. Normally, Umbat has very few people they can use this ability on, but because your flagship is out there, you can pop two Dreadnoughts down on the table where your flagship is uh, absent of any space dock, and it grants Umbat another um, uh, stall for their round if they need it. Yeah, so those all seem like really good ones, right? Yeah. And and you know what? Like, that's enough factions where I would say, like, yeah, you're probably going to be in a game with one of those factions mm -hmm. a lot of the time. But also... They have to be willing to play ball. That's what that's what I think is kind of weird about this tech because it's something you're getting on. And so, like I personally, my play style, uh, this is not a very good tech for me. This might be yeah. a better tech for you if you're a very good salesman. Right. But I I am not a good salesperson, so I basically just am like, eh, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to get the value <laughs> out of this that I need to get. It's like it's a tech where you get it, and then it's like, okay, better make this. Better make this worth something because it's not worth it enough just to do it on yourself, in yeah. my opinion. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, I want to go on my little rant here now about this. Yeah, go ahead. I, I will try to take up as little time from this guy that's already long no, no, as good. possible. But that transactions uh, note with Temporal Command Suite is essentially an opportunity to break the rule of the idea that you can only transact with the active player. So I just wanted to note some instances where the defending player in some sort of combat or the non-active player could be hitting their abilities and you can get in there with Temporal Command Suite and say, hey, we can actually do something mutually beneficial. It is so rare for you to be able to offer a non-binding deal to a defending player or a non-active player. And the fact that Nomad has this extra trade opportunity is maybe not amazing, but is noteworthy. So just to, I'm not even going to read all the abilities, but transactions with defending players include the soul. Uh, again, the whole point of this is you get to transact with the player when you pot, when you flip their agent back over. So soul, Barony Aletnev, Yin Brotherhood, and the Titans all have abilities that get used like in combat, and they could be the yes. defending player. They could use that ability. You know, you might be able to sell them something that that gets them uh, the, the ability to accomplish more things. If you're holding somebody else's important uh, uh, promissory note or something, you know, if if there's any way you can get them combat advantage, there's a way to look for this. The other big transactions to look out for, to me, are. Mahakt during strategic actions, which we kind of already talked about, but this is specifically, you can do that deal right this second. They can pay you two trade goods for you refreshing their thing with temporal command suite, and then there's, there doesn't have to be any weird non-binding business about it. Yes. Um, similarly, yeah. um, the Vool Wraith Cabal during trade, uh, when, if, they, if they pop their agent to refresh, uh, to, to, to steal a unit from someone who's replenishing their commodities, you can get in there too and be like, hey, we, we can trade money or whatever while you do that, even though neither of us are the active trade player. And the last one, and I think the most important one, the one that is actually worth talking about, is the Jolnar agent. When a player spends resources to research, you may exhaust this card to allow that player to remove any number of their infantry from the game board. For each unit removed, reduce the resources spent by one. So... If Jolnar, if it gets to Jolnar's turn in a tech thing, they're not taking tech themselves. They're doing the secondary of tech, and they decide to kill one of their infantry for research. Uh, their second tech, before they do their second tech, you can say, hey, Jolnar, if, you, if, if I let you refresh your agent, 
uh, we could do a little bit of a deal as well, and you could give me research agreement, and then I can yeah. tr I can get whatever you get off of your second tech, which normally non-active players can't take advantage of that research agreement in the middle of a non-active tech pop. So that's, to me, the most juicy use of this is, like, you can get in the way of whoever popped tech also wanting that Jolnar research agreement. And you can be like, hey, listen, I am another participant right now. I can pay you for that research agreement for whatever your second tech is going to be. So make sure you get in there. Yeah. Okay, that's that's the end of my rant. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a it's there's a lot. This is a very exciting tech that I uh, did that doesn't really work for me personally, mm -hmm. um, but it it really allows you to meddle, you yes, know, to just right. kind of get involved with everything right. and be like, hey, I've got the, I've got this. You want to <laughs> want to trade? Hey, no, active player. Will you shut up for a second? I need uh -huh. to talk to so and so. I know it's your turn, but actually I can just do stuff whenever. Right. That's how it goes. <laughs> yeah. So uh, beautiful faction. L yes. I literally have so much love for uh, this faction. Uh, so I want to get to our uh, overview conclusions and then we're going uh, to do ad break and then we will get into the really nitty gritty. Like yeah. this is all just preamble. Right. Um, <laughs> 50 so, minute preamble. <laughs> so here we go. Um, we are one of the most well-rounded new factions with access to powerful economic bonuses from the first round, from the get-go. We have excellent positional advantages through the use of our mechs in combination with our flagship that isn't the best flagship in the game in terms of raw power, but considering the very usable hero ability, it is definitely the star of our show. However, at the end of the day, we are not a faction that breaks down the door, but instead sneaks around the board looking for the perfect time and place to strike. Position, timing, economy are our strengths. Mm -hmm. This is a really good this is a faction that i think in a like completely new player's hands is maybe harder to capitalize on all of the benefits you'll still have a pretty good game because again you're just going to have like raw economic gains throughout mm -hmm. but if you know how to manipulate things th this is similar to hakan right the sky's the limit with how much advantage you can take of all of these different components yes. there's a lot that you have access to and so it's about how far can you push those limits um so yeah de definitely agree on all accounts let's take a quick little break and we will talk about strategy cards and tech and trade and everything okay here we are we're back <laughs> um I hope I hope I hope it was a good ad. I actually don't know anything about the ads, but well, I, I'll I, say this too: we got a lot of comments last week. We don't always have an ad, just so people know. There's sometimes it's sometimes we literally you just heard us say that, and then we're just back already. So it's just like, hi, well, we're we're back. It's fine, but we have to leave the anyways. I don't want to get into the tech. This is a podcast. I mean, I suggest you've I'm been like here the before. I'm like the Nintendo Wii. Uh, <laughs> I, I ask you to take a break uh, from listening to the show every once in a while. You know what I mean? Do you remember how the Wii would do that? Yeah. It would be hey, like, hey, you've been you playing games for a while. That's yeah. a lot of Super you, Mario Strikers you've been playing. You probably you need, need to chill. go outside, bro. Um, <laughs> all right. Let's talk about strategy cards. Okay. Um, just a little reminder, because uh, it's only the second introduction episode we've done. Uh, we don't do yep. purely round one strategy card analysis anymore. It's It's gotten a lot uh, more just kind of, I don't want to say vague, but just like we are, we are talking about your relationship as a faction to these strategy cards and yep. classifying... Uh, the relationship, whether it's normal, right. it could be suboptimal or like bad, or maybe I it's mean, a good nowadays round one strategy cards aren't as exact because so many factions don't have to solve a single carrier problem. 
and now like tech is there's a tech threshold there's a construction threshold there's all these different things so it's just like every game it's different what you want round one so there's less to talk about with specifically like what are you doing round one so that's why yes. we're, we're approaching this more generally for your whole game with maybe like a couple notes about run round one included hunter uh talk to me about leadership i know we've already addressed the idea that in the final round in round four five six whatever it is whenever we want to pop our hero we need lots of command counters so i assume we like leadership Yes. Um, well, and so I almost said that leadership was a needy relationship, mm. but I don't think that is accurate. So I'm just going to say that we have a good relationship with leadership. Um, I would say needy if it was like we're kind of hurting for command counters yeah. and, and we, we need to get them. But but basically we need leadership and we're good at, at taking advantage of uh, all, all of those needs. So it's it's we, we mutually get something out of it. Um, so leadership, good relationship. So we love having a very healthy uh, CC economy as Nomad. It's, mm -hmm. in fact, uh, very, very important when it comes to the late game, when it comes to use of the hero, which we've already covered, which I will just I will just be re reiterating yeah. that yeah. Uh, for the next hour. Um, we, we start with a great stall, Sling Ray, and we have a great economy with four commodities, a promissory note that people actually like, um, solid agents, uh, an alliance that people want, uh, so if we push our advantage on uh, skips and command counters, we will dance around our opponents after uh, they have long uh, stalled out. Mm -hmm. This is slightly less important in the early game, but honestly, leadership is not a bad round one pick, <laughs> right. in my opinion. Um, but in the mid and late game, it can completely make your hero into uh, a game-winning move. Yeah. Um, so we, what we want to see is arriving at round five or round six, the final round of the game, and we have a nice stack in our tactic supply. We just mm -hmm. have a lot of potential actions we could do um, in that round. So right. yes, good relationship leadership. Yeah. All right, so Diplo... Uh, we still, in POK, generally speaking, have a complicated relationship with Diplo. It has obviously gotten somewhat better, all things considered. Uh, but what what are your feelings on Diplo? I would say the main, the, the first thing that comes out to me that is obvious is our four four home system might have yeah. something that we have the same consideration as Yin that Diplo is kind of like, oh, I can maybe do something there. Yeah. Um. So I would classify this relationship as being. Uh, slightly special and it really just comes down to the home system like you already said um, we have a 4-4 home system so we would love to spend that in one round on both command counters and uh, plastic uh, and it's maybe worth it round one if you feel that you will not have access to trade you you won't get the card and you won't get a trade ship near anyone um, in a vacuum you sort of rival Hakan and Cabal as far as like raw eco economic power um, but you you best neither of them, in my opinion. Yeah. So I think you can you can afford to risk it a little bit early. Mm -hmm. um, what I mean by that is like we're taking diplomacy, and yes, we give everyone an opportunity. But what I'm saying is you're you're one of the people that are that even if everyone is getting an opportunity, you're still probably gonna your boat's still probably gonna float the highest. Yeah, uh, Hakan and Cabal will will probably beat you in this arena, but whatever. Yeah. Um, I, I'm just saying, look out for those true economic powerhouses. But if they're not around, maybe just say, "Hey, let's we all get a little bit of access to something." And also, I'm just kind of rich on top of that, so this works for me just fine. Yeah, I, I'll um, throw so yeah. out a, a late game potential here too, because of this whole hero parade. Uh, a late game Diplo, if you went the Nomad that ended up with Fleet Logistics and Lightwave Deflector, 
uh, part of your parade, including a, I took your scary, I took a big thing from you, and then I immediately diplo it so that you can't take it back, yeah. only improves the power <laughs> of that parade. So, so definitely some awesome late game potential uh, from Diplo, just in terms of like positionality. Yeah, um, at, and I think as far as the mid game goes, uh, it's uh, highly conditional. It just depends yeah. on on what you have around. I'm, uh, yeah, it's hard. It's hard to say whether it makes sense. Um, I I do enjoy that point you just made, Matt. Um, I think it can be. Uh, pretty powerful yeah. uh, as far as your 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 parade or your dance <laughs> you do at the end there. All right. So politics, uh, uh, our standard thinking with politics is we're setting up probably for a leadership grab round two into a mechatol grab. And I can see that Nomad starts with a blue tech, which means gravity drive is on the table round one. So how much do we like to invest in the mechatol rex uh, situation or do we need to save that <laughs> for later? Yeah, um, so I would I would say this is a special round one relationship or special early game uh, relationship. This is the first we've talked about Mechatol Rex uh, in this guide. Yeah. But yeah, you're right, Matt. We are we are very set up for it. Um, so I mean, I, I would say bare minimum every game Nomad should consider right. taking the Custodian's token, even if you don't end up going for it. We start. We have got four influence at home. We've got a flagship. That is only really rivaled by Muat's War Sun in the early game, right. as far as uh, you know, just like kind of the raw power of it. It's 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 scary at first. It kind of loses that heat and then gets it back once you upgrade mm -hmm. uh, the Memoria. We have Field Marshal Mercer that helps us position extra ground forces to help us hold uh, Mechatol Rex if we choose to pursue that. Although in a lot of matchups, uh, I won't actually recommend you trying to hold Mechatol Rex in the early game because generally speaking. Once some of the other factions catch up to you, I think they will uh, possibly destroy your flagship before you unlock the commander, which we don't want. We don't want to actually have to pay for the flagship. That's yeah. not our vibe at all. Right. So after round one, I would say that it's a, a fairly normal uh, relationship. If the stars align, you might want to make sure that you have the speaker going, uh, speaker token going into the the possible final round, since our hero has so much scoring potential. However. Uh, that's kind of true for everybody, right? right? We would all like to have the speaker token on the final round. Sure, that's a sure. that's that's a that's a big thing. Well, I just mean that that for you, um, if you can get leadership on that final round, yeah. uh, that is kind of the ideal setup. Your first in speaker order, you got extra command counters mm -hmm. so that we can pop the hero and just just go bonkers, right. basically. Yeah, the other thing I would want to throw out here, too, is, I mean, politics also grants action cards, and we talked a lot about a handful of action cards that can make you buku bucks. So there's a totally. there's, there's a baseline value that politics always awards you, which is like, hey, I might draw Scuttle. So I don't hate politics ever, <laughs> really. Yeah, I, I, I agree. You're, you're definitely not a faction that is going to say no action cards it's weird how big the action card deck is now yeah so basically if any sift. faction yeah yes if any faction is like uh i i i want x thing it's like well how often are you going to get x thing um we will get to something a little later on well actually i'll just go ahead and say now um nomad has a unique position in that action cards even really crummy ones can be great for nomad because like i've like i have been saying over and over we're all about the late game stall out yeah, right. so any component action card is going to be appreciated yeah so yeah i would say special round one normal for the rest of the game uh relationship okay so next up is construction uh we have only talked about being afraid of pds in this guide so far 
So I'm not feeling like you're going to be very hot on construction. I would say I don't I don't think it's a I don't think we really have a bad relationship with any strategy card. Mm -hmm. um, that's just what type of faction we're dealing with today. We're dealing with a very <laughs> open, versatile, just like everything's kind of good for us. But construction is kind of whatever. Um, I I feel like and, and I might get a lot of heat for this, but I feel like starting with sling relay and having a, a four resource home system with a space dock on it, obviously. Mm -hmm. Um has been enough production for me to stay very competitive um, with everyone else in my games without feeling like I really need to get a second space dock. Um, so it hasn't been a huge uh, priority for yeah. me most of the time. Not to say that I never, ever got a forward dock. That is not what I'm yeah. saying. Um, and sometimes, you know, the structure objectives come out and, of course, you have to take construction anyways. It doesn't matter sure. what I say now. You need to get it for uh, for the points. Um, but I would just say there's there's some hunter's law going on with sling relay that means that you just get you get a lot of work done. So I would say, uh, you know, yeah, I don't feel the need to take it most of uh, most yeah. of the time. And, yeah. and I, I won't be recommending uh, any kind of PDS yeah. uh, focused nomad. That's not on the menu yeah, for my, me. My vibe on it definitely is primarily just the idea of if I can do the secondary construction once to put a pretty good forward dock out there so that then my sling relay is always forward rather than at yes. home, that that's all I'm really looking for, but I'm not looking for any sort of PDS grid or anything. I just need that one forward space dock. Also worth noting in like a final round scenario, you can like, you could construct <laughs> in the middle of the nomad swarm. Like you, you could, you could build a space dock and then sling relay your flagship out wherever it ended up. And even though you locked it down with construction, your flagship can can continue <laughs> the thing. So like a final round construction secondary yep. Yep. doesn't really affect you. You're fine. It's pretty, pretty fancy to just keep going. Yeah, that's a really good point. And actually, I'm, I'm, I'm really glad you said that because I don't want I don't want to get a rata of people being like, but but forward dock and rebuild uh -huh. the flagship that I totally get that. And ha I totally have done that uh, playing as Nomad. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, definitely don't. There is no just don't ever do construction anymore. Right. You always have to do construction at some point yep. in POK. Um, so yeah, there, there is there is no getting around it. Okay, trade. We uh, we have to know what's great. We've literally already talked about Artuno. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's this, we are a trade faction. This is good. Are there is there anything extra special about us specifically taking trade that we haven't already talked about? Um... Not really. We have. We, you're right. We have kind of already covered with Artuno. We're getting an extra three trade goods. Um, it's. It's. I think it's maybe a little better early than it is late. I think mm -hmm. late we have more considerations for like just trying to make sure our CC economy is like high. But at the same time, obviously, uh, if leadership gets taken by somebody else, trade is the best yeah. kind of like way to get around that. Like, okay, well, I can't get. I can't get the extra CCs from leadership or control the timing of when it happens. But with trade, I can at least say, all right, well, I'm just going to get as much money as I can to spend on command counters. Yeah. So I, it's, it's great. It's great early. Uh, it's, it's great mid uh, and it's a great fallback uh, in the late game if you can't get a hold of leadership. So yeah, I totally, totally on board with it. Cool. Uh, warfare feels weird, um, especially all game long. I mean, warfare, our flagship does its own warfare ability of just like moving and moving and moving, but obviously adding to that, let, letting carriers come along doesn't seem bad. So 
do we have a relationship with warfare or is it overkill and always kind of already baked into what we're doing? Well, I I do have to mention there's a Christmas Land uh, take Mechatol Rex uh, round one thing that that could happen. You start with a blue, you move the flagship out, you research gravity drive, uh, you know, use warfare, and then and then take Mechatol Rex. And honestly, for most factions, I would say probably not going to have the money to uh, to spend on Mechatol Rex. But if someone else took diplomacy, your home system is four influence yeah. so it easily could go ahead and spend it for resources and then get the influence and then spend that for the custodian's token now do i feel like you can afford to do this christmas land uh i don't know i i, I it's hard to say without having tried it myself um, i feel like you could get uh, a little too spread out but you also kind of recover from being spread out a little easier mm-hmm. um and also i think nomad is not a faction right now that people consider the tippity top of the tier, but but definitely something that people um, think about. So I don't know. Um, it's it's kind of hard to say. Uh, alternatively, I mean, you don't have to take uh, warfare and go straight for Mechatol Rex. You could spread out and take your entire slice. Um, but yeah, it could still end up being uh, a little a little thin. Your your flagship is really the only big stick you have in the early game, and it's not invincible. It's yeah. just like a little bit ahead of the curve. Right. Um, so I'd say it's a maybe in the early uh, and then the mid game. There is a special consideration uh, for the late game, which is that uh, in a situation where you need to make the hero work, you maybe are a little behind on command counters. Uh-huh. It could help you kind of redistribute command counters or um, just help you get a little extra momentum with the hero. I mean, essentially, um, warfare is allowing you to do what the hero allows you to do yeah. in that you're moving forward and then getting to move again. Um, but with everything. So I could yeah. see a situation where you need a little bit, you need to get a whole fleet to a certain area um, with warfare and yep. then use the hero to move the flagship even further. Yeah. So you need to bust through kind of the gate and then go all the way or something like that. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, next up is technology. Uh, we really we haven't dug into technology yet, and we, we're going to right after all this strategy card talk. But um, I guess without going into what all techs we want, what is our relationship with like how much tech throughout the game we want and how important taking tech for ourselves is? Yeah, we need some tech, like in, in need with a capital N, I would say. <laughs> um, I don't think we need uh, a crazy amount of tech. Um, but yeah, we... I think in most games, I would probably want to um, double tech or at least make sure I teched every single round mm-hmm. uh, as Nomad. I think I think that kind of five tech-ish yeah. range is where we're at. Um, and we definitely have the cash to double tech. Um, and there's a lot of uh, supplemental stuff we would like. So I'm going to say um, tech is normal priority uh, in the early uh maybe we'd maybe like to double tech in the mid game by the time we get to the late game though it should all be about exercising the command counter economy so i'm going to kind of de-emphasize it uh in the late game which is kind of how i feel like it plays out with a lot of factions now right um but yeah you've got the cash so may as well get some supplemental tech in addition to the core tech that we will talk about in the tech section yeah Uh, And so then last up is Imperial. Usually we get to kind of hand wave Imperial and it's like, hey, man, it's always as good as it is. But two things that stand out to me, uh, we've sort of talked about the risky behavior of taking Mechatol Rex, but also conversely, we very specifically need to score at least one secret objective 
Uh, and if for some reason our first one wasn't very good, Imperial Early seems important or whatever. Uh, so is it um, critical, Hunter, to you to get Imperial Early or is it standard with extra benefits? Depends. Uh, we need to score that secret objective. Yeah. Uh, and we need to score it, you know, round three-ish. Mm -hmm. uh, so, and, 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 you know, that's not... It's that's not the hardest thing to do, but if you draw the if you get a bad hand mm -hmm. to start with, that could be kind of crummy. Um, so I would say we're a little bit needier than some other factions. Um, we've also already established that we have some good early game Mechatol Rex potential. I could see a situation uh, coming up where, let's say, you know, Hakan sneaks the custodian's point, but then you take Imperial and. Can your your memoria is definitely going to beat whatever right. you know flagship and a fighter sure. that that came to Mechatol Rex. Um, so possibly uh, you could also kind of sneak a point of your own. Uh, and then of course there's a Magic Christmas Land where you're able to get the Custodians token and Imperial. Um, but I think that would probably involve you getting it on uh, round one, yeah. uh, unless and uh, no one was paying attention. Um, but yeah, so I would say early game, we're a little more like, oh, we'd maybe like to get it, uh, mm -hmm. depending on how the situation uh, works out. And then I would say after you score um, that first secret, uh, it really just comes down to like, does Mechatol Rex factor into your end game, yeah. which has a lot more to do with, I think, the the matchups that you're dealing with. Um, it, are, are you in a position to take it from whoever? I mean, if there's a Muat, eh, man, maybe not. Yeah. Um, but... Yeah, so I, I'd say early game we're a little bit needy. Uh, mid and late, it kind of just normalizes to whatever whatever it comes down to. Yeah, I don't remember if we're going to point it out later, but I, I will just say, too, as part of that final round parade, if you have Imperial and the objective to have a flagship on Mechatol Rex exists, yes. you have an incredibly potent, ridiculous point swing when you hold Imperial because you can take Mechatol and then immediately flip Imperial and score that, what is it, a two-pointer, and then also get the free... It's like there's a, there's some ridiculous potential uh, with with a final round Imperial, but that's always the case. But but the, the big point is that your flagship kind of is always out there, so you, you yeah. can do more with I'm, it. It's, it's weird because it's, it's weird to talk about Nomad in this kind of context because yeah. they have this round where uh, if you have the CCs, you're basically only limited by uh by what your flagship can accomplish mm -hmm. which is which is quite a bit um so it's hard to say uh no to anything yeah. because you can essentially just work whatever you need to into that uh that kind of final round uh strategy yeah uh in a way that's that's really beautiful it's very freeing to play nomad the I love nomad it. final round is similar to a base game a sorrow final round essentially yeah. where it's just like yeah. they're just still doing things they're still accomplishing yeah. objectives and do and moving around they they you can't stop them how do we ever get this to stop what are wh what are the things that stop a nomad what are our problems where do we where do we fall short of um all of these ridiculous successes we've been talking yeah about? so um so i would say we're like a happy medium uh, i wrote between barony and Hakan. i don't know quite if that actually stacks up in my head but we're like I, we're more like a happy medium between like a ghost or a sorrel and Hakan in terms of like raw combat abilities and economic strength. But we're we're just not I, I feel like we're kind of an in-betweener that is just kind of a jack of all trades of like a couple things. Yeah. But we're not really like the best at anything. 
Um, the flagship is a wonderful tool, but it does require some setting up and stalling out our friends that either uh, outnumber the flagship, like like we just can't beat them because they've got too many things, or they just have more you know raw power in the case of like um, war suns. PDS uh, is annoying in terms of our ability to use the hero to invade planets, uh, and it can make choosing how to use our capacity in the hero parade round a little bit tricky. The linchpin I keep coming back to is the command counter economy. A nomad without a good or even excellent command counter economy is probably not going to be able to pull out the necessary flagship tricks to win the game. Yeah. Or like, I guess maybe only spend objectives could come out and then you're probably going to be fine and you don't have to worry about any of these things anyways. Yeah. Uh, if it's just spendies, if it just becomes like a Euro where it's just like everybody just sit in their slice and, you know, uh, spend money you're you're quite good at that yeah. so i mean <laughs> like I, I wouldn't worry about it too much okay it is tech time and i'm always nervous of talking about tech in general um with with any faction because i just feel like tech is is a wide open story with most factions so it's yeah. always a little bit hard to like nail down and be like this is the tech path so i i think our general approach has been let's define core tech and then let's talk about super, superfluous stuff, especially because yeah. the, the pace of tech in POK, the, the, the games are typically around shorter, but we can kind of get lots of crazy tech. Um, so defining what you need and then what you can get if you've got the extra time and money is very important. So Hunter, lay me down our core tech. What, what do we need? Okay, so I've got two core tech paths um, and I, I've kind of labeled them as such. So the first one is called core tech path code safe this is your your safe just kind of this just works um tech path so we get a green we get a yellow and then we get memoria too that's Boom. it that's all i'm saying <laughs> um i didn't even tell you which tech to get exactly i just said the colors um so first uh what's our what's our green tech option so we could get neural neural has uh gotten some negative takes lately mm -hmm. like people kind of being like hey you don't need to get neural um but we've already talked about how with nomad getting a hold of extra action cards can be pretty useful. In the late game, so much of our game depends on being able to stall out our opponents so that if we uh, have our flagship to do precision strikes at just the right moment. Neural means that even when we draw a useless component, component action card, it still feeds into our overall strategy of being a command counter economic uh, powerhouse. Mm -hmm. What's our other option? Psycho-archaeology, of course. Psycho gives us a completely different advantage to Neural, uh, that should be pretty obvious as there are several great bonus tech we could skip to that we'd love to have. Examples being, of course, Memoria 2. If we have a yellow skip, we can just skip to it next. Um, Hypermetabolism, we are command counter focused. Uh, Light Wave, obviously that's going to be useful uh, during the Hero Parade. Uh, transit is pretty cool, moving the, mech the mechs around even more. Mm -hmm. uh, Duranium uh, is able to be used with... Uh, the, the mechs in order to sustain more to cover the flagship. Uh, temporal command suite, there's probably even others yeah. that we could talk about. That's This is what I love about uh, Psycho. Uh, I don't think one is necessarily superior to the other. It depends on the situation you are in. Yeah. Um, but the, yeah, the, pri the priority at the end of the day is getting to Memoria 2. Um, but in a, a slice where you have access to a lot of skips, Psycho probably beats Neural just out of the sheer like i want to be able to do all all types of of things right um so so what yellow tech are we going to consider um basically i might get some heat for this i'm just going to say scan link 
Yeah. I, I'm not super happy with either Scanlink or Sarween, and I'm going to give um, the just kind of tip my hat a little bit towards Scanlink. Um, it's kind of the only game in town uh, because Sarween doesn't work with Slingray, yeah. which just annoys me. So it doesn't feel like a good investment for a faction that doesn't really hurt for money. Like, I don't really need to save one resource. Yeah, a dollar, um, especially if I can't use it in a circumstance that I'm going to be using uh, it all the time. Um, and honestly, Ed, I, I don't want to over, uh, I don't want to skip over that point. If you could use Sarween with Slingray, that would be pretty cool because a lot of the times when you're spending Slingray, you have a weird amount of stuff to spend. Like it would allow you to say like, you know what, I'm going to spend this, um, this, this three planet, but because I have Sarween, that gets, that gets me a dreadnought and I don't have to sure. throw in a, a trade good or anything. It just would make it a little, a little cleaner and easier to use Slingray. Cause I sometimes find... I don't have the right amount of money for the thing I want to build. Yeah, building a single uh, unit is, can be awkward because yes. in a normal build you can you can you can make it work. It's like well, I'll throw in two infantry or whatever. But with, right. with sling relay, it's just like ah, I have to do it with exactly this amount. Yeah, um, and like, what if uh, what if I just want to use it as a stall and I just want to destroyer, but I don't have any one planets? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, so Annoying. Sarween would allow me to just get the destroyer. Um, so it is a bummer. But uh, so we get Scanlink and we can just play like the roulette game with the exploration cards. Maybe we get something good. Maybe, um, I don't know, maybe we get a, a, a relic out of it if yeah. we're lucky, something like that. Um, so as you can kind of tell, what we'd really like um, for Nomad is a yellow skip. There are some yellow tech we're going to talk about as being possibly really good. Um, none of them are level zero yep. or even really level one predictive, maybe. Right. Um, but... I, I think yellow skip is kind of the top of your your skip preference. Yeah, and it, it opens up a lot of viability. Blue blue skips have that problem of like, yeah, but every blue tech is good. So I do I really need to skip anything? And then green yeah. tech is there's arguments for even that, but the, the skip to hyper is a big deal. Okay, so that's that's our safe stuff. We got Memoria two. Uh, we did it as fast as possible with whatever skips were available to us. Where do we go from there? Yeah. So it's not that much different. Um, I call this core tech path code risky. Um, we get gravity drive, and then later we get Memoria 2. Right. This some is point. our alternative. Like if, if, this is the Mechatol rush. Instead yes. of just like, no, we're going to sit back and get the Memoria. This is the, real quick, I'll grab gravity drive, do some fancy stuff, and then continue to do my Memoria stuff. Yes. Yeah. I want to call out one, like, I, I, I am trying to recognize that there's some Mechatol Rex potential here, and also kind of... Uh, caution you but, but not too much mm -hmm. you know what i mean i don't want to uh, be over cautious but i just i just want you to keep in mind that if you go this this route you get grav drive you use it to send the flagship to mechatol rex early um you don't unlock your commander without scoring a secret objective so if you can't score the one you start with um and you start focusing on mechatol rex uh, maybe even getting imperial and getting imperial points you you won't get more secrets as you spend right. imperial for mechatol rex points so let your secret objectives be a factor in whether you decide to go for Mechatol Rex or not. Yeah. Um, you have a lot of really great late game potential. Um, I, I think this is a, a matter of a faction that could do a lot of things. So if you end up sprinting for Mechatol Rex but never unlock that commander, 
that could come back to bite you, yeah. I feel like, um, because your balloon is going to get popped eventually. Yeah. If you're setting on Mechatol Rex, you're probably, your flagship's going to get destroyed. And one of the major strengths of this faction is that they can say, all right, my flagship is going to go over here on a lark. Let's see if they can get this control <laughs> objective that it might not even be able to get. But hey, who cares? I'll just sling ray it and yeah. like get it back out again. Um, so yeah, uh, another element to this path of going grab drive first uh, is that, again, if you have yellow skip in your slice, uh, you could go grab drive, psycho, and then to Memoria too. And all you did was delay Memoria by one tech, which yeah. is actually, it's not even that, is it really even that risky? It's more like, I, I'm calling it risky because of what I'm assuming you're going to do right. with the grab drive. And that yellow skip feeds directly into skip to Dreadnought 2s. And now you have Dread 2 and Memoria 2 putting all this work in. I mean, it gets it gets very, very good. So much so that uh, is even if we did code safe, it sounds like Gravity Drive is still a part of our eventual plans, whether it's before or after Memoria 2. I, do, I can't help but see that there is intrinsic value in always having Gravity Drive. Yes, of course. And that's the the next section is what do we do after Memoria 2, regardless of what path we took. And the first thing I'm going to say is go ahead and pick up Gravity Drive if you didn't get it already. So if you went the safe path, uh, let's get Gravity Drive now. We need it for the flagship movement uh, during the, the hero parade um, and for the odd carrier or dreadnought support yeah. uh, here and there along with your flagship. Um, and then, you know, after we get Grab Drive, we, like you just said, we're already set up for Dread 2 or Carrier 2. And I'd say, you know, pick your poison. Yeah. Um, it's it's already in your pocket, and it's all really good support for uh, the hero. Um, and I can't really decide which one I like best. I, I, I like Dread 2s, obviously, because they're really versatile, uh, and the bombardment really helps out. We don't have any bombardment with the flagship, which right. means when we're going on the hero parade, we're just raw punching onto planets <laughs> that we're trying to take which can get kind of rough. We only have six capacity. Um, so it is it is kind of a balancing act of figuring out exactly how many fighters, how many mechs, how many whatever to bring. Yeah. Um, so Dread 2, and then obviously Carrier 2 is the, the flip side of that. Yeah, we don't have bombardment, but we can bring uh, more stuff. Um, so yeah, uh, I, I think going either way or both is fantastic. Yeah. Um, now, let's get in the weeds, okay? <laughs> let's... But I, I think at, at this point, after Dread 2, Carrier 2, I'm, I would just kind of cut it off there and say everything after this is supplemental. You could win a game in my head with only the tech I've described yeah. uh, thus far. Everything else after this is supplemental and varies a lot in how helpful it can be. Yeah. Um, but some of it, and, and, and some of it, if you got early, it could be really, really good. Um, if if you got it late, maybe not so much. Um, the most obvious supplemental tech is our deep blue tech, Fleet Logistics and Lightwave. They're both really interesting, um, obviously, and they're pretty much good for any faction, but we are already set up for it, so why not get it? Fleet Logistics helps us exercise our command counter mm -hmm. advantage, right? We're doing extra actions, and it combos nicely with the hero because it could allow us to just move memoria to uh, who who knows how far right um in in one action it's um, this is this can be counterintuitive too because fleet legit we, we've talked so much about this round this final round of nomad play where you've outstalled everyone and then you're doing yes. this parade rampage but fleet logistics opens up 
I mean, there, there are plenty of situations where your first couple moves of that parade are while people still have responses to you. I mean, there's there's a Sorrels, yes. there's other factions that stall really well, and so sometimes you have to do those take and Diplo or take Mechatol and Imperial. There there are little opportunities where you need fleet logistics because you haven't outstalled everyone enough. So if you can see the other factions at your table are stall, you know, are going to make your your stall potential uh, more difficult to accomplish. Fleet logistics feeds into the parade just as much as outstalling everyone does yeah um and and i would say light wave is kind of along the same lines right mm -hmm. it's a it's allowing the the hero parade to to skip through and yeah. and and get even more effective yeah but the caveat really to me is just like if we have a bunch of command counters if we if we if we really uh took my earlier earlier advice um to heart Fleet logistics and lightwave can end up feeling a little a little unnecessary. Yeah. Because if I can just keep moving, like keep activating the Moria over and over, I feel like I'm gonna be able to find uh, a, a, an opening yeah. for where I want to go and what I want to do. Um, and what I like about fleet logistics and lightwave is that because we're sort of already set up for it, I actually want to kind of de-emphasize it with the nomad. I'm not crazy. I'm not saying that that they're not good. I'm saying that with other factions, I might from the onset plan to go for, especially fleet logistics. But with Nomad, it's just in the neighborhood. So I would say if I don't already see an opening for Lightwave especially, or even fleet logistics, I, I maybe wouldn't bother, to be honest. Because if we just have a really good CC economy, we could maybe focus on some of uh, the, the deeper tech that I think give us kind of new functionality mm -hmm. um, in a way that I think is is a little more exciting. Um, and I think, oh, and and last note, um, you could get DET, um, but yeah, I don't already, know. But, we've already <laughs> sort of sold our opinions on DET last episode yeah. of just like, I, nah, nah. <laughs> I mean, you've you've got the economy sure. to to sink into it. So I mean, if if there's if there's plenty of available. Uh, tokens and you've kind of got the time to explore them i'd say okay fine um but because you already start with a blue we don't need to get it no. like kind of the only instance that most factions need to get it is if they start at level zero on blue and they have no reason to get anti-mass right. um you will never be in either situation in fact i could see more situations where you, you need to get anti-mass because it's going to factor into the hero parade Definitely. so i don't know yeah we'll see so let's talk about green so green tech uh, work best in situations where we double tech in the early game, I feel like. So if you're having a tech-rich start, um, I would consider these listed in an order of preference. And it's not my preference. I'm I'm referencing uh, Space Lawyer wrote up a lot of really good stuff with tech, uh, and I am uh, cannibalizing <laughs> his opinions uh, and, and adding them to my own seamlessly. Um, but Biostims, this is actually a really cool tech for you yeah. uh, because it doubles Sling Ray's stall potential because it allows you to use Sling Ray and then uh, refresh it and then exhaust it again. Um, so you get more production output and more stall, which is beautiful. Um, I, I would say it's 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 one of those things that is a luxury that can end up yeah. not being so much a luxury and more of like, a, oh my God, this saved my game because I got more stall potential. Um, <laughs> So yeah, if you can get it early, I, it could be crazy because you could be stalling out even in the mid game um, with an early biostems. Hypermetabolism has our name all over it. I don't even need to explain to you <laughs> why getting early hyper uh, would be great. Yeah. Um, 
Daxiv is tricky. Um, it'll help you refresh your infantry when you're on the parade, right? Because we are hopping around, invading planets. Every time we, we win a combat, we're getting an extra infantry. And yeah. critically, we can't really refresh uh, any of uh, our friends that are coming with us on the parade. Yeah. I really like the language of this now. Um, <laughs> and this is a way to kind of find friends along the way, right. you know, yeah. uh, while you're on the parade. It's like it's like you're having the parade through the galaxy and someone's <laughs> saying, you know what, I'm I'm going to get off, off my lazy butt and join this parade. Um, <laughs> and then X-89 is kind of bunk. Your yep. flagship doesn't have bombardment. So, you, I mean, yeah. Can, can yeah. I, I want to, I, Matt Martin, this is not please. Hunter Donaldson's opinion. I want to poo poo. We talked about bio stims and I've just, I, this whole time I've been thinking about bio stims and temporal command suite. Uh, that's, yes. that's stupid. Don't do that. It's, it doesn't get you anywhere. We already talked about how like your agent, you, the idea being that you could refresh two agents per round. It's like, Ooh, okay. What can I do there? Probably not enough. Uh, not, not enough to yeah. inv have invested that deeply into green and yellow. So, you know, if you see the trick cool and you like having fun, do that, please have fun. Uh, but strategically, I don't think we are advocating anything that is that wacky and goofy. No, and and you have sling ray right there. Right, like that's you, such you, a better you tech a to refresh. You should always, uh, you should always use biostims on that, not on temporal command suite. So yeah, yeah. Um, okay, let's talk about yellow. I think yellow green is the the. I'm a little more confident bringing up green first. Yeah, yellow I think is uh, the cooler one, and we're gonna higher do, highs I think a... and lower lows is what yellow yes <laughs> offers. Yes. Um, so it's, it's, I think it's a more interesting supplement, uh, than green tech. The level zero and level one techs basically don't have, uh, much for you. We are not a PDS faction. Sarween doesn't work. Uh, predictive could maybe be useful in a desperate stall situation where we need to pull out of our fleet pool. Yeah. Um, but generally not, not going to favor it. Temporal command suite is a great early supplement. If you have, uh, some good agents in your game, the investment doesn't warrant it on its own. We've already talked about that. Transit. Very cool, and we'd love it since it allows us even more versatility with the mechs and flagship shenanigans, and also helps in the way uh, we talked about with Daxiv, but actually a little more solidly. The yeah. idea that on the parade, you take a planet way far away from your home system and you use transit to kind of refresh. Uh, we gather our friends from across the galaxy right. for the parade. Um, yeah, uh, what I really want to talk about <laughs> is integrated economy. Woo! It's we're finally I am recommending it. Yeah, um, I am recommending it because it's such a great way to uh, essentially accomplish this goal that we're talking about with transit and Daxiv, which is you've got six capacity. You're moving around uh, the, the galaxy on your on your parade. How do you take hits right. and then kind of refresh your stores? Well, mm -hmm. if you've got integrated economy, you can take planets and build more fighters and more whatever. I yeah. guess actually, can you can you fighters. build infantry and mechs? Yeah, off fighters, of mechs, yes. infantry, all of it. Wow. Refill, refill the coffers and keep going, baby. Uh, obviously, like you you have to have at least one yellow skip to get to this point. Um, of course, but yeah. if you had two yellow skips and you did like do mm -hmm. a scan link thing earlier, oh, I, I, I'm doing integrated economy in my games with Nomad if I have two yellow skips just for the sheer. I have to feel it. I have to see that. Like, even if it's yeah. like, oh, I might not make perfect use of it. Don't care. Doing it. Got to see. Got to know how that how that goes, um, because you're you also have the economy to back it up. Right. The other issue with integrated economy so often is like, can I like 
I have to spend money. I don't get to just like get free units. I, I have to actually yes. have the dollars. And Nomad has the dollars, so like you can definitely get more mechs. And and if you if you did transit into integrated economy, um, that is also still some value there because you you can you can punch forward immediately build one or two mechs right the, you 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 killed mechs off or something as part of the attack but then you immediately build like two more mechs you have three mechs on a planet and then next turn at the start of it pull those mechs back with transit diodes send yes. the flagship back home grab a thing grab the mech you just moved back with transit diodes and head back forward into the rest of your thing it's ridiculous they are more yeah. ghost than ghost is <laughs> yeah yeah they're very very ghosty um, yeah, and I also want to mention um, that Fighter 2 yeah. uh, could also be a really powerful combo with Integrated Economy. If we're, you know, leaving fighter gum everywhere <laughs> and just kind of mucking up the, the, the whole rest of someone else's slice. Um, but we also have a support squad of Fighter 2s in excess of our capacity. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty fun. Yeah. Uh, pr pretty pretty fun thought experiment, and I definitely want to see. I'm sure someone's done it, mm -hmm. uh, but I want to see it. Send me a video of someone uh, doing integrated economy nomad for the hero parade. Right. Um, okay, unit upgrades. Let's talk. Uh, we just talked about fighter two. Uh, uh, we've already talked about carrier two and, and dreadnought two. Those are the number yeah. one and number two, or number both number one upgrades. I'm going to recommend in addition to Memoria two. Uh, fighter two, I think, would be uh, another one, a uh, good one to throw into the mix for kind of reasons we just talked about. Um, PDS2, not our vibe. Space Dock 2 is probably unnecessary. You could I, just get a forward dock. Well, but. and even more so than that, we're using Sling Ray as often as possible. Yeah. So boosting the amount of stuff our Space Docks can produce is useless because most of the time we're getting like a unit out somewhere else. So yeah, I, I could care less about Space Dock 2. Yeah, I'm not even sure Space Dock 2 like has a place in the game anymore, yeah. except for the fact that it is a unit upgrade and qualifies for objectives that way. <laughs> but um, Destroyer 2 would be nice, but we haven't even talked about Red Tech yet, and Red Tech is kind of our our worst arena. Although, yeah. do we really have a worst anything? You know, <laughs> I th that's that's the kind of vibe I wanna I wanna strike with you right now. Um, so Destroyer 2 definitely cool. Uh, we already have some AFB, but ha having even more AFB, I don't think is a bad idea, depending on who the matchup is. Uh, I wouldn't get it unless I saw an application, I guess. Yeah. Um, Cruiser 2 could be conditionally useful uh, for like juking around with the flagship, but definitely not, again, just like uh, Destroyer 2, not a blind buy for me. Um, infantry, bleh, infantry 2 might be helpful if you need just like a little more juice yeah. as far as like taking uh the faraway planets right um but hopefully hopefully you can just kind of target the weaker planets and not have to worry about uh the, the i mean i guess what's fun about infantry too is that you're you know you're you're losing infantry on the front lines that are coming back at home that you could then do some shenanigans right. like matt just described in order to go uh pick them up Get them, pick literally them back the, up from home. the one that just yes. died in the combat got <laughs> sent home and you went hey wait let me go get i left you at Hold home up. let me go back there and i'll get you and all right come back into the next fight where you i got yeah. you buddy yeah um but yeah so so there's there's your unit upgrade uh, overview i would say overall um most of the things i i like only uh Space Dock 2, definitely not recommending. PDS2, eh, probably not. Well, the Destroyer idea here two, is you, two. you've already recommended three, if not four, unit upgrades. Like, we, we yeah. have a healthy unit upgrade spread. Yes, Everything yes, else yes. just feels so much extra. We haven't even talked about Red Tech here. 
uh, which we mm-hmm. also kind of downplayed in the Titans episode. It feels like so far we're not feeling the power of Red Tech. Um, but I mean, this is such a well, mobile blue faction. It, I guess it makes sense. We, we we did talk up AI dev for Titans, and, sure. and we also had the errata describing uh, Duranium Titans. So I wouldn't say that that I would say Titans is more red tech than uh, than Nomad. Yeah. Um, however, Nomad is also just kind of more versatile than Titans. So I don't know. It's hard to say. But let's talk about red tech. So plasma and assault cannon don't interact with the flagship parade. Yeah. So that's a bummer. Um, the fact that. There's really no way to get assault cannon to work with you as you kind of like, I mean, obviously you could use assault cannon on like that first part of the parade when you can bring friends, when you can bring your, bring yeah. your big friends. But after that, it, it it's not going to work. Yep. Um, and plasma only works if you have bombardment, which we are kind of not that great at. But I mean, obviously, if you go dread two, plasma could be um, a good supplemental. Um, yeah. AI dev is the only one I'd maybe recommend um, outright since it can like help you pick up some out of the way unit upgrades. I would say if like you're like, oh, I have a reason to get Destroyer 2, I'd probably go AI dev into Destroyer 2. I wouldn't I wouldn't mess with the with plasma, really. Yeah, Um, you uh, you can't use the alternate uh, AI dev ability on Sling Ray. It's like Sarween. You can't use it to uh, to get. That, you know to some production bumps uh which is a bummer the only really red tech that i'm actually that interested in is duranium and i think that's the reason the reason that red tech is my least favorite for nomad uh is because duranium is the only one i really want and it and it it's is a little deep. far in yeah, there it's too far um and and yellow it's like yeah yeah, the level one and level zeros for yellow, I don't really like. But first of all, we have to get a yellow yeah. if we don't have a skip. And um, I like the level, you know, the level three and the level four. So yep. those are both interesting, whereas this is only the level three I actually find interesting. And Duranium is cool because, yeah, we, we can take hits on the mechs and then we're literally like refreshing our soak and they're not even directly participating in yeah. combat. Uh, it's quite cool. But yeah, I mean, I think it's I think it's a little deep to just recommend flat out, but you're going to have games where you get psychoarchaeology and you have two red skips, in which case I'd say you'd be silly not to get it. You know what I mean? Grab right. it. Let's do it. <laughs> sure. Um, so okay. yeah, that, all right. That feels like enough on tech. My goodness, we still have a lot more to talk about because we haven't even begun discussing our trade meta with yeah. what we have already established is a very trade-centric faction. So... This is going to be a two and a half hour long episode, Hunter. No, no, we're 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 almost there. We're almost there, Matt. Um, so, <clears throat> all right, aid. Uh, let's talk about our agent tradeability, which we've already sort of gone over. Yeah. So I'll I'll go quick. Um, because I mean, with all the hoot uh, about the agents uh, with this faction, the agents aren't really the top of the list for tradeability. Mercer is so good that you should keep it for yourself in the early game. However, if you can spare him, he should fetch a useful agent trade, I'd say, or a trade good or two. Yeah. Um, the Thundarian is, uh, man, I don't know. It's, uh, it's when it happens. Do it, look, keep an eye out for Thundarian. Yeah, basically. keep an eye out. Uh, you got to sell that yourself. Um, and Artuno can't really be traded, so let's not even bother. Right. Um, promissory note. Okay, so this one is like a version of the Sardak note that has actually been fixed, so you can sell it. <laughs> Uh, you can sell it either in the timing window that it would be useful, uh, price concurrent on the importance of the battle and how much it will sway the fight. So I would say, like, if this is going to get him a point, uh, I'm going to need I'm going to need some serious cash for yeah. 
this promissory note. Um, but remember that it can't be used against you. So this isn't the type of thing where I would say only wait till yeah, that timing sure. window to sell it. It's a perfect little note to fund a war not involving you. Uh, and if there are a lot of control objectives out there, you will likely get the note back sooner than you might normally expect. Because yeah. I would say a lot of times people, if they want to buy this, it's probably because they see a fight that they need it to win, which means they're probably going to do it soon. They're not going to just buy it blind. Um, so I I would be open to selling this for cheaper if I get to know exactly how you're using it and where and when. Right. So if you're if you're willing to tell me what it's for, then I I could knock a, a TG or two down. Um, but once we get Memoria two and we're just in the later rounds, I probably want uh, four trade goods minimum. Yeah or access to something equally juicy. Um, I would say a research agreement is the, it, the, that's the type of value I want for this. I'll, I'll, I'll give you cavalry if I can have research agreement or whatever. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's a pretty, uh, pretty sweet note. And I, I really, I, I really like it. It's probably my favorite of the, of the expansion, uh, promissory notes. Yeah. And I um, feel like I always get the cavalry confused with their alliance of of making the flagship free because i always want or we're going to talk about it here now i always want my alliance to be a one-time thing <laughs> like i want to give it to you and then you buy a flagship and i get it back and it's, i always have to remind myself that once i trade away our alliance for our commander that person has it forever until they yeah. like attack me or whatever so th that is so hard for me to keep in mind with this note because i just want it to kind of act exactly like the cavalry of like you use it and then it's back to me so with that in mind what is our alliance note worth? Because it's technically worth one flagship, but it can be worth more than it's worth two flagships. Yeah, <laughs> it's worth. I mean, if it's yen, it's, maybe it's worth four flagships. <laughs> I don't know. Um, so yeah, our our it's a good alliance. It's I mean, yeah. it, it you could argue that it's the best because of just the raw value. I mean, people talk up the Muat alliance and be like, this is a really good alliance. It's like you, that's the one where you get. Uh, one trade good every time you do a <laughs> right. strategic action this and it's like okay well like yeah i mean are we at the point where i'm gonna get at least eight trade goods out of it i don't know is that gonna <laughs> happen i anytime the nomad gives you uh their alliance you're getting eight value buddy right um so i feel like it should fetch a, a pretty high price um especially if someone wants it because if if they're reaching out to you for it, that means they probably need it for a secret objective or like the public objective where you ha where you have to have a flag flagship over Mechatol Rex is out or something like that. So I'd say just for ideas as far as price goes, I feel free to ignore me anytime I throw out prices. Mm -hmm. Like that that this is the type of stuff that like is wildly different from meta to meta. Yeah. This is just my my gut and I've already told you I'm not a really good salesman, but I would say that my my rule of thumb for this alliance would be that I would be down to do an alliance swap for a good one, but I want money on top. My alliance is probably worth more than the other person's alliance yeah. if I'm playing as Nomad. You know, like that the, it it just feels like most of them don't get that raw guaranteed value out of it yep. uh, like the Nomad does. So uh, yeah, I want like three or four trade goods and and a swap. Maybe that's too much. Maybe it's more like maybe talk me down to two. I don't know. Yeah. You probably can. I'm pretty willing. Well, the big down. question mark is anybody who's coming to you asking for your alliance, why do you want a flagship so bad? Yes. It sounds like yeah. there's a point on the line. So it sounds, sounds like, like the value went like up unveil. even more than the flagship itself. This is worth 
doing some attacks with the flagship. Uh, especially the second that a public objective comes out where the flag you need a flagship out doing stuff. It's like, okay, this is top dollar commodity at this point. So yeah, um, I, I like that you brought up the alliance swap thing too because I it feels like Nomad. Uh, should never do an alliance swap. I mean, the, the idea that people are doing alliance swaps in general is like, I get the like shared um, non-aggression pact between it, but the, the value of commanders is wildly all over the board. And so the idea, you know, it's not the same as point for a point support swap, right? Yeah. Alliances are so different. And and this, this one reigns supreme in terms of like the value people get from it. So yeah, get money on top. Can we talk about what alliances we are on the lookout for not necessarily as a swap but just in general what are some special considerations that we want to be trying to nab that help us as a nomad player okay we'll sit down because i'm about to recommend like <laughs> half of the commanders not to say that these are all equally good yeah but i just went through all the commanders and was like which one of these actually apply to nomad i think in a meaningful way versus like how they just are good anyways sure. um so uh, the Argent Flight Commander will allow us to roll one additional AFB die um, with the flagship. Now, actually, here, let me just go ahead and say this caveat. I'm not saying none of these are equal to no, absolutely our not. get a flagship for free. None of them. So yeah. I got to get more than just their alliance in order to These are to just care abilities we are on the hunt for to improve yes. our parade or something else we may or may not be doing. Yeah. So Argent Flights will help us roll one additional AFB die. Um Barony, uh, if you go Dread 2, means you get one trade good every time you sustain any of them. Um, it also would apply to the mechs that you are sustaining to cover your flagship. Muat, you get one trade good when you spend a CC from your strategy pool. All right, cool. We like money. Uh, Hakan, spend trade goods for votes. I actually kind of like this one because Nomad is an economic powerhouse, meaning that we could get ha uh, Hassan's or Hakan, <laughs> Hakan's uh, <laughs> alliance and then like kind of dominate the agenda phase yeah. in a way that maybe we weren't before. Um, soul, we gain one infantry at the start of a ground combat. If we are uh, after the hero parade, kind of have random planets we control, we could get a lot of use out of that. Yeah. Uh, ghost, gain one fighter when you move through a wormhole. Normally, not very good. Maybe this is a way to refresh some, sure. some fighters on the hero parade. Um, NRA, explore a planet controlled by another player. That one's kind of obvious if we're taking... Uh, a bunch of planets in the late game uh, during the parade. Be extra careful get... with this yes. one. This is a hundred percent not worth an alliance swap because NRA's yeah, flagship sure. is the bomb, and you cannot. You would be an enemy of the table if you let NRA get their flagship yes. for free. You are a dark, dark, bad person for doing that. Yeah. Um, Necro gain uh, one action card when you gain a tech. That's fine. Jolnar reroll your. Uh, anti-fighter barrage mm -hmm. dice much better than the, than the argent flight one that yeah. we started this section with <laughs> um cabal produce two fighters or infantry in in excess of your production limit i like that because i just kind of always like that one as yeah. just a little extra cookie notably um, not uh not sling rayable still though yes still not still not sling rayable um winu i don't know how you end up with winus but the plus <laughs> two to fight on mechatol rex would be I think, I think Winu's alliance is like the new gift of the prescience. Like, what yes. <laughs> are you doing, Winu? No, 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 no. Yeah. Yeah, that's, it's just, that's, that's, uh, that, that would be wild if you got that. But yeah, I, I mean, I maybe would do an alliance swap for that one, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. okay, fair. But, but I don't know why Winu would do that, because their flagship their isn't good sucks, enough. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyways, extra 
cast one additional vote per planet, basically same idea as the uh, Hakan thing. Maybe we can dominate the uh, the agenda phase now. Um, Yin, uh, green skip. Uh, it, it gives us a green skip, but, it, but it'll be too late most of the time. Yeah. Uh, Yin have to do indoctrination in order to unlock their commander. Yeah. And by the time they've done that, you probably timing. already got Psycho and a bunch of other stuff. Yeah. But um, uh, what is cool about Yin, the only special note I want for that one is that, you know, the fact that, you know, the Yin flagship is such a goofy, like it goes and blows things up and then they can re rebuild it thing. It might be worth it to just spread a little chaos around. You yeah, know what I mean? Let, right. let Yin uh, kind of ruin every, like if you've support swapped with Yin, maybe, and nobody wants to buy your alliance, maybe just give it to them and say, all right, well, let's see what happens now. Right. Cause I just think that'd be fun. So yeah, I realized I basically just named most of the commanders, but I'm listing them I, I listed them like this. I think it, it is useful because you are you're a trade you're a trade faction, you're a trade person. Okay, so you have the power to pick up alliances that could be useful to you in a very kind of niche way. So I I would say keep yourself open to that. Um, and I left out you know I left out some good alliances that are obviously great for anybody like Sardak, uh, only because I couldn't think of anything uh, special to call out about it. Sure. Uh, essentially. Uh, try to get any of these you think will help your game. Uh, you've got the extra cash. Yeah. That is, that's my trading and meta part. All right. Okay. All right. We did, did it. it. It is time to talk about exploration. Uh, we we gave a very pithy uh, idea that maybe uh, Scanlink is okay. So my my gut rea and we don't we obviously don't like DET. So our could we consider ourselves an exploration faction? No, I would say not especially. Um, but if you want, you can pursue it uh with scanlink and if i would say you are friendly with the nra i think you could have um a great exploration game but it's really all about your trading powder power your trading powder oh, that's your a different thing powder. <laughs> <laughs> the con's all uh, about the trading powder <laughs> yeah um feed it, it feeding into your ability to explore but not just your exploration in general yeah. um det is always an option for nomad but i think you kind of have to prioritize the core tech and then maybe um, some deep blue tech. So I, I just feel like it's, it's something you could grab, but it's not a stepping stone like it is for other factions, mm -hmm. which kind of means I'd rather um, avoid it. Because like we've kind of already established, we don't really believe that DET on its own is a worthwhile investment. As a blue tech that you need to get, fine. But not something that feels worth it to go out of your way um to get yeah so yeah we just got other stuff to yeah. do i don't know Ex exploration it's weird for you know we're going to talk about nra uh soon and then the exploration section will be as big as the tech <laughs> section gigantic, you know, it'll be a huge right. <laughs> huge part of it um and i think nomad could like once we got done with everybody we could realize like nomad is kind of further down or, or further up rather on the exploration track yeah uh, but for now it feels like they're not special yeah. about it yeah. so um all right so we're 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 looking for a a sweep with our uh memoria 2 in the final round uh to pick up you we've talked about spending objectives let's go let's go through the different stages how what is our scoring potential how do how do we find our victory points what what does our whole game look like in terms of scorability yeah so stage one objectives um we're we're great at a lot of them. We're good at at the spendies. Uh, all the economic ones are are very much in our wheelhouse. 
um, we have our flagship we start with. So there's a flagship stage one that we are just going to get for free. Yay. That's pretty cool. Um, control objectives, not that hard. I mean, we're not like control experts. I actually feel like we're a little better at scoring the stage two control objectives during the hero parade yeah. and then we are getting stage ones but starting with the flagship is helpful for it i am um, Hunter, this is where hunter and i our differences would be the most obvious if i'm playing nomad i see a lot of power round one and two with my flagship before other people have equitable fleets and i go i better nab those control objectives right now and then i would flummox and i would die in the end of the end game whereas hunter is going to wait wait it out for all any and all control objectives but I, I do think there is some value in how quickly you might be able to score certain control objectives because your fleet is going to overpower other people yeah um yeah i i i do think though that there is room for you to flex a little bit depending on who your neighbors are. exactly if you you can muscle um, into an equidistant and if that gets you your third tech skip or your fourth of a trait or whatever then that's that's very good and and there's no reason not to do it because your, your flagship can take and hold that equidistant round one and two yes totally um i want to call out stage ones that are kind of annoying um structures uh, i don't really care about attachments eh, hopefully not although I think with with Nomad and really with any faction uh, that doesn't start with any exploration tech, um, it's all it's all going to be about stealing the yeah. attachments versus actually finding them yourself, unless you get lucky and then whatever. Cool. Um, two and two colors could easily uh, be blue green or blue yellow. Um, what sucks is I kind of I have trouble deciding whether I want to go more green or more yellow. Mm -hmm. Um, and I would say without a, actually, never mind. without a yellow skip, I think green wins and sure. it's, it's blue green, um, because we don't want any level one, uh, yellow tech really. Um, so yeah, two and two colors could be just kind of a little obnoxious if it comes out really early. Um, but yeah, I think that's all I have to say about stage ones. Yeah. Stage um, twos is, is uniquely the timing, generally speaking of our parade. So very often our parade involves whatever the current stage two is in some respect so what are we looking for yeah so i i think there's I, I kind of isolated a handful of control objectives that i'm pointing out as just being like quite doable on the parade um uh flagship in mechatol rex uh hopefully doable unless there's like some sort of meaty powerhouse over mm -hmm. it um control three planets with attachments Control two planets adjacent to two different players. That's got Hero Parade written all over it. <laughs> Just the idea that you would go to one side of the map and be like, oh, I'm going to take this planet and then go to the other side of the map. I'm going <laughs> to take this planet. That's that's definitely something you can do. Um, the, the traits ones, uh, because you'll have access to the whole map and just find the traits where they are. Um, five planets with, with uh, tech specialties. All of that to me sounds very doable in the Hero Parade if you've stalled everyone out. And also, we're still an economic powerhouse, so the spendies still very doable, yeah. in my opinion. Six. The only thing we maybe don't want to see are like the deep tech one, the yeah. the two and the two and four colors. And nobody wants to see that, that, so you're not set back. I think the most painful one is six command counters because our whole end game strategy is to use our command well, counters, and six command counters means I barely get to do a hero sweep. It's tricky because. If if we were ahead on CCs yeah. anyways, maybe it hurts us the least. Right, because other know. people See, are also ending the round short because they're saving their six command counters. So yeah, sometimes it can still, you still get maybe two or three extra actions on top of people if you invested in it. 
Yeah. And one point I want to make here, this is kind of, I didn't even know where to put this. It's not even in the outline. I keep forgetting um, where to say this. But during the Hero Parade, we're also really good at just blocking other people's points. Yeah. Um, so taking control objectives away from people uh, is a very effective way to score control objectives yourself. So, like, I, I don't forget about your ability uh, to stop the table, especially if you don't have a uh, speaker advantage going into the last right. round. You might have to stop multiple people on the parade. That might be what your parade is uh, is really about even more so than scoring points yourself yeah um secrets we're good at um yeah. uh, many of the action phase and control objectives are very easy to set up to score on the hero parade uh if you haven't done it already especially uh the fun one where you drop off four mechs on different planets <laughs> that's so that's so nomad right um and then structure slash PDS objectives no thank you here's a question that you didn't prep for hunter uh, that I'm just gonna yeah. I'm gonna lob at you what are not to go through the whole deck or anything but like what are some of the secret objectives you're looking for as your secret objective that unlocks your commander what's that first secret objective you want is it is Ooh. it an action phase thing or is it just like a, no get an easy status phase do the six ships uh, ships and six systems or or anything like that like are there especially juicy uh, secret objectives that you want to knock off first that you're not worried about holding in the late game and you might as well just get it out of the way and get your commander unlocked yeah, I mean, something like uh, Strength and Bonds, uh, having other players' promissory note in your yeah. area, um, something like Foster Cohesion, Be Neighbors with Everybody. Um, I would say a lot of the controly or action phase ones I'd rather save yeah. for the late game, but the thing is, most of, most of those are uh, going to be pretty doable for you, even in the early game. Obviously, you start with the ability to do Unveil, um so i i'd say it's just not important to save one right so so i i would love to be able to score a whole bunch during the parade but it's more important to unlock the commander actually now that i'm really thinking about it yeah um so just take what you got and and try and figure out how to score it and if you absolutely cannot score it uh you need to get another secret objective as soon as possible yeah. um what we we don't like you know we don't like make an example. We don't want to have to uh, deal with uh, bombardment. Although, you know, it's not like it'd be impossible for us. Um, uh, honestly, we're good at dark in the skies. We're good at uh, become a <laughs> it, it's martyr. A lot. I, I think the weird. big key is, yeah, is looking for like cycle through secret objectives as fast as possible. Do Imperial at every opportunity, things like that. And, and get that easiest one done first. Yes. Um, yeah. Uh, because you you can pull off a lot of difficult ones late game and trying to do a difficult one early is probably going to put you out of position and ruin some of your economy that you could be feeding into. Yeah, I I, I like that. That that is that's that's where I, where I want to settle on this because I, I don't want to say I don't want to isolate and, and, and tell people that. Right. They need to worry about saving any of them so that the parade can be no. super cool, the uh, legit. And then I could post like a. <laughs> like a screenshot and be like, yeah, I'm so cool. Uh, that's not the important part. The important part is getting the commander unlocked. Yeah. So that's, that's where I'll, what I'll say there. Okay. So give me, give me those final thoughts on, on nomad. I feel like we talked about a lot. They feel good at everything. Um, but what's kind of your, what is your final remarks, your thesis statement? Yeah. So if Titans was a very good faction that specializes in, 
like kind of one specific thing. Nomad is a jack of all trades. We're an economic powerhouse with a silver bullet combination of abilities that can be unleashed to devastating effect with proper preparation. I do want to say that this guy definitely dwells on those abilities and assumes that you will pursue them in every game you play as Nomad, but I do not believe this is the only way to approach the faction, and I look forward to seeing what the Nomad game looks like a year from now. So this this guide, at the end I'm kind of telling you what this is, finally, at, at two hours and whatever. What this guide was, was me taking the hero, the flagship, the mech, and saying, how do we make that tick in a reliable way? How do we make that work and, and have all of our little advantages kind of support and feed mm -hmm. this big moment? Um, however, at the end here, I just want to say that I feel like we're well-rounded enough to where someone could find a completely different way uh, to approach them. I think, I think Titans is a faction that sort of tells you how to play them, and Nomad is just kind of like, here's a cool idea. And, and all I did was spend two hours being like, here's how I think the cool idea is supposed to work the most effectively. But I think you can sidestep the idea and maybe go in an even different direction. And I think if I just want to tease, I think the key to that would be command suite yeah. uh, combined with specific other factions, uh, agents that you are kind of targeting for certain uh, economic combos. Yeah. But yeah, overall, uh, love them. One of my favorite factions in the game uh, now, I would say. So um, this was a joy. I would I would like to close out this Nomad Guide with some um, official lore written by uh, my son is also named Bort. Um, is this so official? This is a cult. This is a this is a very very official. This is exactly as it was. Uh, it is going to be published in an upcoming um, Twilight Imperium novel written by uh, Meme Town contributor. My son is also named Bort. <clears throat> Artuno's mouth dropped open in shock, the cigar landing on her desk. The leader of the group seized the chance to stroll up to her, grabbed the cigar for themselves, and popped it into a special slot on their rebreather that seemed to exist for this exact moment, holding it at a perfectly rakish angle. They sat down in the chair that had held Yol just a moment ago and leaned back casually with their hands behind their head. Artuno, right? I have a business proposition for you. A, a business proposition, she asked, still recovering from the sudden executions she just witnessed. That's right. They call me the Nomad. They leaned back in their chair and kicked their feet up on the desk. And from now on, you'll be working for me. That is that is a chapter, an offer to die for. <laughs> From my son is also named Bort's Twilight Imperium novel, official canon. That's how it went down. Official canon. Official wow. canon. That is the invasion of Sumerian Station. Wow. I want to thank our weird bears, Farganus, TG Welt, Bot, Bot, Kaluan, Squeamishimu, Sonaleto, Mate Nason, John, Arwise, Absol, and Ponchidori. And I want to thank our little peace turtles, Naderade, Patience is a Virtue, Polyphone Requiem, Gazkio, Dark Jutsu, Istoria, Brave Sarabin, Uncle Batty, Frank G, Carnal, published author, my son is also named Bort, and Valir, Sam Lee, and Alice. Okay. Let's talk uh, Galactic Council poll. It's still up. You've got six days, I think. You've got a handful of days um, to weigh in. Uh, if you haven't already. So your choices for the Galactic Council episode this month is 
four topics. Uh, first one, is Arborex still the worst faction? Topic number two, is Cabal, in quotes, too much? Um, <laughs> topic number three, tournament predictions. That one's, that's the real one. Um, fourth option, TI Lore 2. That's the one that would be funny. That's the one we want. Um, that's the one I want. <laughs> or Twitch this weekend. Hmm. Nothing. We are taking the weekend off from not working. Yeah. We're working on something, but we are not going to be playing any games uh, on Twitch because this will be our last weekend to not stream on Twitch for the rest of our lives. <laughs> so get, get deal with tournament it. starts March 19th. First prelims. Technically, the tournament has already started. I, I put out the thing where like, all right, qualifiers, you're allowed to start organizing your own games. And like a ton of people are like, cool. How's tomorrow sound for anyone? And they just like already started doing qualifier games. So we've already got. Yeah qualifying players upgrading to prelims we will do overviews later on as we kind of get bundles of them all together but march 19th is when we kick things off um yeah it's, it's like three games a weekend for the rest of eternity um homebrewers guild custom relics please give me your homebrew relics um if you are in the homebrewers guild just uh just post one in there and i will go through and get them together at some point uh for the youtube uh, I have the last homebrew public objectives game uh, coming out. It was supposed to already be out. It's not out yet. But I also have a, a very important map anal uh, tournament map analysis video that me and Matt put together, including a mock draft that we did with uh, some some great pa patrons that shows off. It, it, it gives us um, the names of all the slices, mm -hmm. uh, which is great. And, and they're pretty good names this year. Um, it gives some analysis on each of uh, the slices on the tournament map. And it also shows off the new uh, draft tool, yep. which is the bee's knees. Yeah, thank you, Daryl. Literally, I yeah. mean, we, oh we God, never Darryl. stop thanking Daryl, but it d deserves to be said yet again. Thank you, Daryl, for the amazing draft tool. Uh, and also thank you to all the patrons who helped us do the mock draft and took it very seriously and play like did the draft as if they were definitely going to be playing this game and talked through all the thoughts. It's a really good mock draft where you can feel out the sorts of decisions that happen. So I'm, I'm really stoked on this video. It came out uh, exactly how I wanted it to. So yeah. Yeah. So that'll be good. Check that out, especially if you're in the tournament. We'll give you, I think, a little uh, a little I don't know. It gives you some analysis if you're not super familiar with the yeah with the map already and it also make your game probably go smoother if you know how the draft tool works ahead of time so yeah if you're Mwah. stoked for the upcoming tournament and you like this podcast we would love it if you considered giving us a five-star rating on apple Podcasts, itunes wherever you listen to us um it helps increase our visibility and it helps people more, more people know about the show the tournament everything that we do uh you can also gain more information about our patreon our twitter our discord our merchandise all of our stuff at spacecastpeaceturtles.com do you want one more segment from uh from that book? Is that is that a thing that we need? Yeah, to end yeah, on? that that can take that. Yeah, I was just gonna do a callback to that. I've I talked too much <laughs> in the last. This hour. is from chapter sixty eight. A lick in time saves the galaxy. Chapters There's more what? than that. <laughs> Uh, this, this is towards the end. Let's see. I'm just picking her. I haven't even read this. Artuno knew better than to question them when they had a plan and wordlessly bashed open a control panel to access the electronics inside. She grabbed the input cord from the Nomad and began wiring it into the system while they slung the instrument across their chest and began to explain. 
Legends say that one of the ways the Lazaks broke the hold of the Mahakt had on their slaves was through the power of music. It might be just a legend, <laughs> but a legend is better than nothing. Artuno finished for them. You're hooked in. Know what we're going to play? Nope. Just that it better be something good. Master Nomad, does this mean we're going to make it? The bright, cheerful face of Capito re returned, looking up at the face of their Enviro suit in, in that admiration. Only if I can play the best song I know, absolutely perfectly. The mo nomad answered as they pulled out a pair of dark sunglasses and placed them on their face, covering the eyepieces of their mask. So I'm gonna say, yes. Thank you for listening to Space Cat's Peace Turtles, and thanks to Ben Prunty for the use of his music. You can find more at benpruntymusic.com and benprunty.bandcamp.com. Pax Magnifica, Bellum Gloriosum. <laughs>